Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Hello and welcome to Spotlight, the official podcast of Grapple. I'm Benno. I'm JP. And I'm Gareth. And how's it going? Let's see, guys. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know how to start. Um, we're here again, lads. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, in Hello. the same fucking boat again, aren't we? We're here. It's happening. We need to talk about progress again. <laughs> It's. I don't. I don't even think we could do the pre-show banter, JP, after the night we've had today, which you missed almost missed the entirety of uh, out on your walk today. So I feel like me and Gareth have yeah. to do the duty of catching you up. What a fucking shit show of a day today has been. What a shit show of a few days. Mm, true. Really, starting probably from when questions first started to be asked. Really. <sighs> yeah, it has and been. It's just gone down and down and down since then, hasn't it? It has, it has, and yeah, it's kind of like you know. Last week we we talked, we talked progress. We thought we dealt with the subject. We knew the shows were coming this weekend. Me and you, JP, we just we discussed the shows were coming up on Friday on our on our preview show. Uh, I expected to have a relatively tame discussion about the uh, the shows on the WWE Network today, but like, yeah, it's it's been a day, and like, like Gareth said, it's been a weekend. Um, there's nowhere else to start, really. Um, we've got to get right into it because, yeah, I think that's 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 just what we need to talk about. Um, yeah, progress. Just again, if anyone's missed it, there's been. I mean, how can you miss it? I've been absolutely fuming today. Like this is the doing our little pre-show and kind of calming down and going for a walk this afternoon has has put me in a better headspace, but. Jesus Christ, like, I, I am at the point now when it comes to Brit Rez, I just think burn this fucking whole thing down. That's how I'm feeling right now, you know? And, yeah, lads, it's, it's week two of we need to talk about progress. Yeah, God, like, you know, you like say there, even coming across in, like, my messages in the group, like, mm. I'm a pretty fucking placid person. Like, I'm a, I'm a pretty pretty calm in the main, as I'm sure Ooh. anyone probably I always hear, me on, hear me on this. And, <laughs> yeah, I always use you as the example, though. Like that, it, you know, to quote you, like you, you always say, you know, when it comes to, you know, the 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 aftermath of speaking out and Brit Res in twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one, like, don't expect perfection. Everything can't be done immediately. Not every not every decision is going to be one you agree with. You know, you've you've got to give mm. these benefits the these companies the benefit of the doubt. But you absolutely can and should expect transparency out of these companies like at an absolute minimum standard after everything we went through last year you know after all of the talk that is literally like the the lowest level of expectation from these companies and what we found this weekend was that that transparency didn't exist until until it got forced out of them by idiots on on twitter like the likes of us or the podcasters or the fans people in general mm. that's what it took to get to today monday to actually get a bit of transparency out of a company like that is 
like you say, you always say it, Gareth. Like we don't, we're not people, or we're going to try and keep this level headed today. We're not people who who expect, you know, miracles. We're not people who expect perfection. Mm. We're not people who expect, you know, everything to be a decision we agree with. We, when we've talked about Red Pro in the past, I think that's been a a common theme of the discussions. When we tried to talk about progress last week. That was a common theme of the discussions, but you know, yeah, Gareth, like of, of all people, like you know, you are one of the most level-headed people I know, and I could just tell you fit to burst today, and you were the same as me. Like five o'clock today, I wanted to hit record. Like that's how I felt today. It was just, oh, and I'm glad I didn't. Big time. I wanted to hit record on Saturday as well because, like, if if that statement today is fucking bad, the one on Saturday was equally as bad at the time as well. Like, as mm. as far as I was concerned, I was absolutely flipping, and like, I just look think back to like last week and you know we were talking about shows coming back and getting running again and you know some opposition to it happening and like i was saying about like the proof of the pudding is going to be in the eating you know you've got to let them start up to see like how we can judge them against these nicely written policies that they've put out there and you know at the end of the day it's you know we can hold them accountable to that and it's going to be all about the way they actually act at the end of the day when when shows come back and start running again but like if the proof's in the pudding, like what a fucking shit crumble they've fucking served up over the last couple of days, haven't they really? Because like, mm. you know, where I talk about there's going to be imperfection, we need to be patient and all that, that you're bringing up there, Benno. This is show one. This yeah. is this is the first show back. Yeah. This is, we've made all this effort. We've got all these people. We've changed our management team. We've done this, you know, like, you know, this all this is in place. We've been biding our time in the background. We've been talking to Equity. We've been talking to this, that, and the other. Like, first show back, like, this mistake happens. And it's it's not just one little mistake that we're talking about here. It's like an absolute fundamental failure of the most basic principles mm. of, you know, what we want them to deliver. You know, it's like... Mm. You know, it's it's not just a fail. It is the biggest fucking fail for the lack of transparency, the speed of response, you know, the fucking avoiding the issue, trying to deflect the issue onto either other things like COVID or other people like, you know, like, you know some of the, the, the wrestlers in, in, in that instance as well. Like, it's just the biggest... I, like, I can't even like, I can't even put it on a level the level of fail it is you know when I think about how many different levels and how many facets they've failed on there for this is you know this is the industry leader we're the guys we're the biggest promotion in Britain we're the ones who's going to take the lead we're the ones who you should all be listening to and following and you know following our footsteps and you know you will set the example and, you know, you're, you don't know what conversations are going on in the background and we've got all the big names on board in the background supporting us and all this, that and the other. Well, it's all to fucking shit really, isn't it? Because if progress can behave like this, then fucking whoever, you know, Hartlepool Graps or bloody, you know, Doncaster Wrestling or whoever, they can go, oh, well, it's fucking good enough for progress to just ignore yeah. everybody online and then come up with a crock of shit online and then just hide behind things and not do it when they've got all this money behind them and they've got the WWE behind them, they've got all this success and this rabid fan base behind them and they can behave like that, then what's the fucking point like, in anybody else trying to do anything different and they've just like... It's so disappointing and they've just let the industry, the British wrestling industry mm. down so badly. And especially because of, you know, the ways that they will 
I don't know, not poor score on other areas of the business. And no, we do things professionally and we do things right and we work with the WWE and we've got safety policies here and we, we've got this, you know, guidelines in place and et cetera. Bollocks. It's just, they've just absolutely fucking shit the bed on this massively. Totally. Yeah. That's it. And this is, uh, this is not the way it needs to be, but this is the way it's it kind of, it's happened. Um, it is bit you 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 went through it there, Gareth. It has been a just a week. It's not. It isn't just one mistake. It is a weekend of just everything you shouldn't do, and everything like we were we were sat here talking progress last week, and you know one of the people in our chat room brought up the rumors, and this is what we're talking about today: the rumors that Paul Robinson, who's had allegations made against him during speaking out. Um, you know, if you're not aware of those allegations, they were allegations made by the same person who made allegations about Marty Scale. Um, Post Wrestling have got a write up about those allegations. That, you know, that 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 rumor and kind of started last week. It started. It it started with a fucking tweet from Brewdog Wrestling, a Joke account on Twitter, and then it snowballed from there all week. Like that—that that is what it was at his taken to get transparency out of this wrestling company. This wrestling company, yep. Progress, tried to run shows this weekend on the WWE Network. We've all got feelings about that, but on the WWE Network with a person working backstage who was somebody named in speaking out, and the rumors started, and people started asking questions on Twitter. You know, James, he was very forthright about it, among other people asking questions about it. And rather than just you know answer the question directly, you know I almost forget about it now because it's Monday on Saturday we got a vague statement, didn't we? About oh you know everyone backstage is DBS checked. You know this this being after like probably two days of, of they, silence. They ignored it. They ignored it for two days. Yeah, I mean they did yeah. in that time. They did they did, they did take At the time show day. to like one. Of, yeah, yeah. They, they mm-hmm. did take the time in that time to like one of Kid Lycos's tweets where he was shilling some merch. You know, yeah, so, yeah. So they were online. They'd seen it. They were around. Uh, yeah, they went went silent for two days. And again, same as you, Garrett. Like I, I am someone who's like, okay, yes, you know, pressure is be, is being put on. You know, and while this is happening, you've got you know wrestlers and other people tweeting out these fans with their negativity. You know, they need to. You know, this is a great thing. This show on Sunday, and like you say, people who work behind the scenes of progress have got time to go and like those kind of tweets, but not you know make a statement about it. And then on Saturday, we get you know completely wishy-washy it's show day so we've got to say something statements about dbs checks and you know i've said this before on air that you know I've, dbs checks is an area of the world that you know i know well you know from from my work and you know dbs checks aren't the answer especially in this case the basic type the basic dbs checks that companies like progress are, are, are able to do are only going to include unspent convictions they're not they're not an answer unfortunately for cases like the likes that we saw in speaking out so that that was bad enough on saturday that was bad and they continue to get pelters, rightfully so, right through the show. And their silence spoke volumes. Like it was, it was a me. I think the, none of us had any doubt at any point that, you know, Paul Robinson was working backstage, you know, a progress on those shows at that point. But then it still took another two days for them to, for, to put a statement out today. Finally, after two days of pressure, to admit it and it took like i say it took a, a tweet from a meme account it took fan pressure it took you know every tweet they tried to do on saturday about their show basically got replied and quote tweeted and they got bombarded to be honest this entire weekend but it took that 
for the promotion that's supposed to be the industry leader to just be honest and answer a black and white question about who was working at their show. And then we got the answer today. And the answer doesn't make me feel any more comfortable. But, you know, we got our answer today, JP. It felt like they doubled down on the answer today. Mm. Um, I like kind of, as I've been saying in the in the pregame, um, I was on a really nice walk today, rather like on Saturday as well, where both of these things were kicking off on these lovely socially distanced walk day. It's, and then it all sort of kicks off. So I'm still trying to get my head around this in some ways. And it's the fact that they've doubled down on this. It's, it's the way, like, it very clearly feels like they're responding to fans in a way that they would have done in 2018 or 2019 mm. with a sense of kind of dismissiveness because we're progress and we can do this. And they've forgotten that in a kind of, I'd say a post speaking out world, there's a, like fans have that kind of level of investment because a lot of fans were directly affected by this. And it was the kind of sheer staggering arrogance of the statements mm. that kind of felt like, yeah, we had him. So what? And it felt like, we would have booked him on the first show if he wasn't available to wrestle, which in and of itself just feels like weird because mm. like, you know, so I, that felt incredibly like uneasy. Like there is a complete, it, it kind of is all of the things that we thought about British wrestling kind of gets exposed again about there's just what you're going to get in response. is just a layer of bullshit mm. thrown your way. Mm. And it's like, that's going to be the thing that fobs you off. And if you criticize any of it, then you're being negative. And like that whole like kind of toxic negativity about this kind of stuff, which is the word that we used last week is accountability. That has not come into effect. They've got a social media team who did nothing about any of this and seemed kind of completely unaware. They threw out young wrestlers who are in a position whereby they would have turned up and it would have been like, okay, you're going to be on this and it's going to be on the WWE network. By the way, he's working here. Do you have a problem with that? Mm. What the hell do you think they're going to say? Groups of like 19, 20 year olds who realize that this is actually a genuine route to get to the place where they have always wanted to be. And regardless of whatever we think of that kind of route, that is a viable route for wrestlers to go. And they're faced with this and the responsibility of us, well, they're all happy with this. So why shouldn't you be? Literally and said that in the, the statement. Sheer... It literally yeah. says in the statement, the wrestlers were fine with it. Oh, good. Yeah. And it's, it's the, it's the mixture of kind of the condescension of the tone mm. merged in with the kind of arrogance of we're still right mixed in with the cowardice of hiding behind really young people to the just sort of pig-headed nature overall of a lot of this. And I'm trying not to make these kind of like personal attacks, but this is how it comes across. And it's the sheer cut. You could just see what happened at this point. It's like, what the hell is this company? And then when you look at it overall and you see of the three owners, that one of them has gone in relation to kind of events mm -hmm. that, that allegedly have taken place, to the sheer kind of silence to the point now where it's like genuinely standoffish as if it's just like the reaction is it's these moaning fans again. Yes. Like, and that's, and it suggests that kind of 
wider thing that we've always thought within the industry where there's just so many wrestlers who like hate fans. And the fact is, the impression I get from this and in relation to this case, and this case is absolutely horrific, it's sickening to the core, is that it doesn't matter as much because she wasn't a wrestler. I And there is the whole idea of sharing the locker room stuff. But with fans, it's like a, it honestly feels like a massive fuck you. And again, there's stuff I'm just trying to kind of process around this, but I'm staggered by this. Like even, even by bad social media standards, doubling down on this stuff with no idea of like feeling any like obligation or responsibility for this. And it's like you're adults and you have to do, I cannot behave this way in my job. You can't in yours, Benno. You can't in yours, Gareth. Mm. This, this is not how you're meant to do it, but somehow this is acceptable to be able to do. And and these are allegations that have been around a while. And I don't know, and maybe I'm getting this kind of wrong with it. They're not the hardest things in the world to be able to kind of find out about either of like the kind of lists of these. So it just feels like they didn't want to know. And you have to think the worst at this point because there's no reason to think to give them like the benefit of the doubt that's gone because of the first available opportunity on the first show they fucked up and they fucked up big time yeah. and there's no bullshitting getting your way out of it getting stroppy with us fucking retweeting Susie Dent quotes and the rest of it that's gone yeah you are not more smarter and fucking intelligent than anyone else here you're just more amoral they're clearly not, because which fucking moron thought, sat around in a room and thought, I know, who should we have on the first show? Show one. Like, they've admitted today that they were going to have him wrestle. If it wasn't for, like, availability issues, he was going to wrestle on the show. Which fucking brainiac was thinking that was a good idea? Like, what a fucking moron. Like, who was sat there? And then, like, even then when he couldn't wrestle, it was like, oh, who's the best lad to, who's the best lad to be in the back agent in this show? Who's the best lad to... Yeah, who's the best lad to agent the um, the female natural possession series? Oh, I know. It's that guy who was named in Speaking Out. That's fucking hell. Yeah. You mentioned him before, JP. It's a good job fucking Harold Chipman's not alive because he might have been in consideration for the fucking medical gig for this show, the way the fucking... Yeah. There, it's absolutely yeah. like just because you're gonna get Fred West, how, how, Fred West looking after the kids in the back as well. How, how, like, like, like how, how could anyone, like, how could that be a serious consideration for anything where the thinking start clean slate, squeaky clean, let's get things as right as possible, let's get like, um, get the fans behind us again, let's show that we're like a company that they can have confidence in. I've got zero confidence in this group's ability to manage this effectively. And, like, how on earth can they possibly win the confidence back um, from, from fans going, going forwards? And, like, that whole period of time where they just went absolutely silent, it just looked as shady as fuck. Mm. Like, when you, you know, it comes back to things like basic transparency, responding to people, responding to people's questions and things like that. And you can't even get a fucking answer to a basic question. Like, you know, you cite there, like, Jamesy. Jamesy was as polite as fuck in his responses. He wasn't being nasty. He wasn't being antagonistic or anything like that. He was just asking a very basic, simple question and got absolutely no response at all. And, like, I don't want to blow smoke up your ass, Benno, and, like, embarrass you kind of thing here. But, like, 
I was fucking proud of you and I was fucking proud of Jamesy the other day because the way that you took that on board and put your heads above the parapet and, you know, dug up information and, you know, really kind of like pressed the issue, it was really needed because other people weren't and I'll put my fucking hands up and go, yeah, you know, I didn't have the fucking balls to to do it with the same ferocity that, ferocity that you did. And you, and you went out for it, went after it, and then what we've got today is a mass exposure of the way that they've approached this whole post speaking out situation and their whole processes that they've put in the in the place. And it's come from Jamesy, and it's come from you, and it's come from Will, and it's come from you know other people pushing things on the back of it and taking it forward. And honestly, I'm fucking proud of you the other day, mate. I really, really was. And like you know, I don't don't want to blow smoke, but it is almost an outrage that you as fans have to do that push forward in that way push 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 dig up old information mm. things like that push 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 for it to even get to this level of transparency that they've been prepared to come back with and provide a response to days later absolutely days later and you know what yeah. in that first fucking statement on saturday when it was like oh we're a small team and we won't be available immediately to respond yeah. to things online so you know email this address if you've got any concerns Oh, you can't respond to anybody for forty-eight hours, can you not? Like, in, in like when when that's your job to do that. When it's like online, and it's not like you're absolutely getting battered down with tweets on a daily basis. It's not like you're the biggest hottest promotion in the world, where you know it's just like staggering the number of tweets coming your way. Like I say, you can fucking find time to like or retweet a kid like us merch uh, tweet. I think you can reply to a very simple, basic question when you're put in this environment where, you know, people are outraged about what happened to that poor 16-year-old girl and, you know, people trying to, like, build trust in the industry going forward. Honestly, you should be absolutely fucking ashamed of yourself, anybody standing back and, you know, not responding to that basis and trying to hide away from it. And then I think the way that they, they, I know it wasn't the management team, I know it was Gene Money who was like doing the tweets that they had scheduled in for, for during the show, but it just came across as so fucking Trumpian, the way that they were just like, tweet through it, let's just ignore it, ignore the noise that's out there, fake, fake news. news, fake news, let's just keep going, yeah, talk mm. about our matches, look at these terrible gifts, <laughs> you know, just keep, you know, just keep going, eyes on the prize, eyes on the product kind of thing. It was, yeah, honestly, it was just, it was just fucking disgusting and then and, and then on that tweet on that message that they sent out on saturday as well it was like for the very for the many people who've contacted us privately positively thank you <laughs> oh yeah you found time to read the fucking positive emails that come you away did you all right well maybe you should be online fucking answering the questions where people have got issues about this burning topic that's absolutely blown our industry apart for the last um last 12 months mm-hmm. maybe, maybe that's where your focus should be on not on people fucking emailing you to pat you on the back yeah yeah i'm and you know Appreciate what you're saying there, but like, you know, on the on the the fact that it's taken fans to hold hold them to account, stuff like it yeah. just does, and it goes back to what you were saying there, JP. Unfortunately, wrestlers can sit there and shout about how you know fans are being negative. Oh, you know, our our friends are working this show. Oh, can't you th- see all the good things that they've done? Why are you focusing on this one negative thing? You know, you know why it takes this because you can't, you can't trust the wrestlers. You can't. We've learned that this weekend. You, you can't. Like you alluded to there, JP. Especially when it comes to, and I'm sorry to say it, when it comes to issues with, with fans, and it's not a fellow wrestler they have to share a dressing room with. You know, and it it relies oh, on pressure from and there's there's good you know that's the negative slant on it the positive slant on it is like you say these are young wrestlers who are in a position where you know there's not much work out there you know 
they're going to feel pressured not to say things if you if you want to be charitable as well. But the issue I kind of had, you know, while this whole shit show was going on all this weekend, you know, you, there's still wrestling people out there, like you say, who were like, oh, you know, these these fans are just being negative. Oh, but like this is a sticking point for me because you're going to hear it from a lot of people, and it's not like it's untrue. But you know, Progress doing their statement today and saying, oh, you know, the wrestlers were fine with it. And a lot of that, that was kind of the red rag to a ball with a lot of wrestlers today. They can't, you know, we actually got some statements from wrestlers today. And I welcome that. That's a great thing that like wrestlers are willing to step out of line and challenge the company. But I'm sorry, it wasn't just progress that was that said that. I, I, I spoke to wrestlers privately. I saw wrestlers tweet it. I saw wrestlers like tweets about it. That was the line across the board from wrestlers. Well, you know, the, 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 the people there were fine. So why are these fans making an issue out of it? It's almost like they've, that little slight difference there that the case that we're talking about and you know we're not going to go into the ins and outs of the case it does involve a fan and it does involve information you know if you, even at its most base level the fans want to know about because we want to know where we're giving our money fans want to know uh, if i'm if i'm going to be supporting this show on saturday if i'm going to be tweeting about it even i want to know for transparency's sake who is actually working at these shows and who and who who is actually there? That's the reason, you know, most fans were, were going out. It's so hard. That's that's the reason we're invested. That's the reason why it why it matters. And your mileage might vary. I was saying, you know, before the news, before the before the admitted it today, <laughs> before the admitted it today, like my point of view as well. Whatever you think of Progress's decision, they should at least have the the decency and the transparency to say this is the decision that we made like this is the you know your mileage might vary on whether you think paul robinson should be banned from wrestling forever banned for a while if you think he should be banned forever that's fair enough absolutely fair enough but you know that they are they are things that like if you're going to be investing your time and you're going to be watching a sh- you know these promotions you're going to be eventually buying tickets to go to, to see these promotions this is all stuff that like the fans have as much a right to know as the wrestlers do i'll give them credit today finally yes we got clarification on it but why why did it take this entire week of nonsense for them to finally get to that point of clarification that's the bit that i find so gall and it's the decision you know to continue to, to use uh, Paul Robinson, the decision to not today say we're going to cut ties with Paul Robinson because it sounds like they're going to continue working with him. That is really bad, and that is one thing. But the other thing that I really can't get past is the fact that they were going to, this company were going to try and bury their heads in the sound and, and not let anybody know. That that was their plan. Their plan was to sit this out. And you, and you know what, like related to that as well, where you're talking about like, even at its most base level there where it's like, okay, like we asked the wrestlers and, you know, they, they were fine with it. Well, I'm sorry, but it's not the wrestler's responsibility to make those decisions. No. It's your fucking responsibility as the promotion to make those decisions. Clearly, you as a promotion were happy with it. Mm-hmm. You as a promotion were happy to have him agent yeah. and work in your shows. And that is an immediate red flag. That is like a, a huge huge red flag now there is an argument that they could go oh we didn't we didn't know about these allegations well you're incompetent if you didn't know sorry i'm I'm sorry but you are if i can find it they can find it exactly and then if that is the case then it is a total systemic failure in their procedures that they've you know they've waved about and it's supposed to be this that and the other and you know the the, their their standards that they've they've got up there on the on, on the website and how do they even know that, you know, even if you get past that level and they do get into the realms of asking the wrestlers, how do they know that the wrestlers themselves were even aware of this? And yeah. then and, and, and how did they even obtain that feedback to enable them to, to understand that, 
that the rest of us were happy with it. Where did it happen? How did it happen? What information was shared with these wrestlers? You know, like JP says there, some 20-year-old 20 20 kid getting his big break with pro, never mind with progress on the mm. WWE network. Like yeah. what a fucking surprise. He's not going to put his head above the parapet in front of a room of people against like a senior member of staff when he's essentially a replaceable commodity to challenge these things or say things against it. Of course it's not. And that's how we ended up in the situation uh, like that we're, that we're in anyway, this whole mm. get your head down, keep your gob shut. If you know what's good for you, you know, if you cause a stink, you don't get booked, you get blacklisted yeah, yeah. or wh- whatever happens to you, you won't get used. Oh, don't book him. He's a troublemaker. Oh, don't book him. You know, he's not one of the lads. He'll, he, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll stand up for things and, and go the other way. But like, you know, if the process then did happen in an anonymous way, if it was something that was maybe done in advance where it was like, he, you know, we're sharing these allegations. Is this something that you're comfortable with? You can respond to this. It's done in an anonymous way. No one will ever know who's replied to this and things like that. Then they should be providing us more information, more transparency on how um, how that sort of vetting process uh, goes went by as well. Because, you know, they said today, we're happy that everyone working on the show has passed our vetting pr- procedures. Well, what if that is the case then the vetting procedures that you've put in place aren't worth the fucking paper that they're written on. They've just been absolutely cobbled together. They're not fit for purpose. So how about you give us some clear demonstration of the vetting process actually is and how it works? Because, you know, maybe it could be more relevant. Maybe it could be more transparent. And maybe if that was the case, your crisis management to this situation could have been a damn sight better as, as well. Because potentially, you know, I look at the situation where it is now today. This could have been managed so much better with an element of openness. And if they'd actually gone through some processes and said that, um, you know, whatever, we discussed his involvement in speaking out, you know, he's, he's done some element of sensitivity training, he deeply regrets, duh, 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 you know, they go through all those processes that people would do, you know, there's a, there's, 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 there's remorse, he accepts his, that he's wrong, you know, what everything, whatever that, you know, might happen and, and be involved in, in something like that. They could have approached it in an open, transparent way days and days and days ago, but that didn't happen because that whole process clearly didn't fucking happen. They just were, they just, it was, yeah, Paul Robinson is one of our guys, don't bang, done kind of thing. And there, there he is, agent in the show and he's wrestling if the, if the opponent's there from an, an availability schedule. Clear, quite clearly, you know, those, those steps that they've supposed to put in place from a procedural standpoint, you know, like I say, not worth the not worth the paper they're written on, or not followed one or the other. Mm. Possibly both. Yeah, both. It feels like everything was a sop. Like the safeguarding stuff was just a way of, all right, we've done this now. Fuck off and go away and leave us to it. And there is, it's the idea of this this kind of the complete like butting heads up against the idea of transparency. Like these are your red flags. As soon as that happens. I kind of thought in and of itself, since they don't answer it straight away, you're like, right, he's there, isn't he? And the fact that it was leaked out by someone suggested there was someone there who wasn't happy about it and knew about it. So what is the prevailing culture that's there? Hmm. And what is the one that's in place? It feels and sounds and looks exactly like how it was before. And it's still the idea of a murder. It's still the idea of like these are the things and and it's almost like these are the acceptable evil figures within speaking out and they're the ones you kind of concentrate on from that. But there's no like Gareth mentions vetting like it, Benno, you're not an investigative journalist. 
Mm. Yeah, you don't work for the spotlight team in Boston, but you're expected to kind of do that. Mm. And here's another conversation because there is an idea of wrestling journalism, and large swathes of it have zero interest in covering any ad, any of, of this. And we're not journalists. Well, they'll print the press release, mate. Press release, mate. They'll print. They'll print that last week when progress are coming back. Yeah, that's fine. Great. Where's the follow-up? Oh, I think case closed. Yeah. Then in in that case, yeah. There's it's it, there. There are so many things about this that just suggest oh, nothing has changed. Mm. Like there really is. There, there's there's so little change. So much was just words, and people wanted to believe it, and they've kind of conned them into that as well. And why would they con them? Because the fans are fucking marks. They don't deserve transparency. They deserve you taking their money off them. And then that's it. Any idea of any emotional investment or anything else like in that, it feels they could give less of a shit about. That's what they've lost this week. It's not about it. It's it's that's and they they deserve to to kind of lose that. It's it's like like I keep saying. I I, I don't. It's it's as much the sorry guys. It's as much again. The final decision is bad. The fact that the fact that like somebody like you said, Gareth, was stupid enough. To be like, let's use Paul Robinson on show one. That's fucking idiotic. To put a statement out today and not just put that extra line in and we won't be using him going further is fucking idiotic. But again, even the actual final decision aside, it is the thing that has lost everyone's trust this weekend. Even the most hardcore... The fans we were talking last week about button, I was butting heads with, even you know those people, you've lost them too. You've lost everyone because you've lost everyone's trust because you weren't forthcoming and you didn't do the bare minimum of what you promised everybody you would do, which would be transparent. And and I think that it just leads to just like such huge questions about the management team that they've, yes. they've got there because I mean like JP referenced there about like uh, you know I don't know like taking the piss or whatever kind of thing in the in, in their approach and 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 I don't even think it's it's necessarily that I just think it's it's incompetence or just like yeah. like the skill set is just not there or the people that are working on it are just not experienced enough. And, you know, like I raised big questions last week on the show about how that management team was thrown together. And you had that like day one where it was like, Oh, this is our shiny new team, like quick knee jerk reaction to speaking out. And then within 24 hours, two of them were out on their ass because like two allegations had come up against two of them. And it was something that was just thrown together so quickly. And it was just like, it was something where they just wanted to be seen to be, you know, reactionary and making a positive change and things like that without actually thinking it through and talking it, you know, talking it through properly and planning it properly. And like, like I've, I've literally never met either of the people that are working for Briley at the moment, like running the the company. I've, you know, they lit, they literally could be the nicest people in the entire world. They could be, have all the best interests in the world at heart. And, you know, and I see people speak highly of them online and things like that, but, I'm sorry, the way this has been handled has mm. just been absolutely rank amateur. And I don't know the backgrounds, you know, to, to, to any great detail. I remember when they were appointed, there was a statement that said, like, I think that James Amner worked in event planning. I know Lucy caved to social media, you know, again, I, I don't know the, the details, what they've they've done behind that. But speaking out was a fucking big deal it was a huge deal if you think about the spread of it and the volume of activity that was linked to it and the allegations and the impact on the industry as a whole this needs professional 
professionally trained people dealing with this, like who deal with this shit day in, day out for a living, safeguarding professionals, mm. not somebody who's maybe, I'll do safeguarding for you and, you know, then you go and do a one-week course or a two-day course or something like that. I've done courses at work on mental health. Am I going to be fucking there taking the lead in the middle of a mental health crisis? Am I fuck? I'll be leaving it to somebody who knows what they're doing, who does it day in, day out. Do you know, do, do, do you know what I mean? And, like, again, one of them maybe is somebody who's been dealing with safeguarding and things like that forever. If they have, then I'm fucking concerned about the, the, the work that they've done in the past to get themselves to to the uh, to this level because you know it just it just really stands out to me and mm. like it it you know it, it you know, like the analogy i'd use is it almost it's like you, you're trying to build the foundations of a new property and you, you get the window cleaner in to do the fucking building for you you know it's just like it's it's not something that you would do in a professional operation you wouldn't do it and they have to be treated as a professional operation they're associated to the wwe they're on the wwe network they're the biggest promotion in britain they're the leaders of our of, of the british wrestling industry they're the one that's bringing in the most money if they're still fudging it by getting people to do jobs left uh, here and there for in fill it out you, you you know do this and do this and do this as well kind of thing especially when it comes around something like safeguard and then it's it's absolutely ridiculous i mean like again i'm speaking from a from a different angle and like you know i showed that statement or i showed both statements to my wife who works at like a very senior level in safeguarding and she was just like she read it and just started laughing and she just said that is just a total lack of understanding like displayed in the statement about the role of power when it comes mm. to abuse you know that's clearly by written by somebody who doesn't understand abuse and exploitation and that's worrying if they're the ones doing communications and safeguarding and you're just like and that is a that is a professional eye, like looking at this and you know seeing that, and it's 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 a different angle. It's out out there. If you think about it, if if somebody's supposed to be there communicating with the public as the the social media person, that's a very different skill set to do in PR. It's a very different skill set to do in safeguarding. It's a very different skill set to talking to people backstage and understanding things from like a people perspective it's a whole load of different skill sets and if somebody's had all those different things forced on them then you know i feel sorry for them and kind of almost expect that they shouldn't be able to do that but if if you know if if somebody's going you know if people are then trying to take this stance and put them you know move things forward as an industry and taking that on board then i'm sorry you have to look in the mirror sometimes and you go i can't do this you know we need to invest more money in this this money that you're pumping out there and you know spending on x y or z actually it needs to go into the fucking foundations of our industry and making things sure that we get things right from day one mm. when we start back because otherwise we're not going to have a fucking industry to to to, to stand on and, and and move forward with it you know it's it's you know it just it just feels like just amateur hour absolutely not an amateur hour yeah but they've looked at like what what is brit what we're we going to do with brit rest we're just going to get in loads of young wrestlers and that's it that's your kind of like refresh and going for the next generation mm-hmm. and you mentioned there about the power aspects and the power dynamic and it's the idea of clearly where this comes from and where that power and authority kind of also has within wrestling as well what it kind of represents a link through to wwe um it's the, the thing that I would say now is, I mean, like with them as a company is that when push has come to shove with progress, this isn't the first time they failed on it. And they've been given the benefit of the doubt a few times. Like mm. we're talking about Glenn Joseph. We're talking about the utter silence from Jim Smallman. Mm. who suddenly wasn't everybody's mate anymore. Um, 
it's the kind of it's the the just the, the sheer level of like condescension from John Briley. And I don't know if he's written that statement, but what I would say of having experience of him writing his tweets, it very much fucking sounds like him. Yeah. It's very much tonally there with a big fuck you. I know better. And like, that's the kind of prevailing attitude that that, that has come through here. So they, they failed on those fronts. They, when they, when it came going, like Gareth has just said, when it came into um, getting a new manager, team in that was just an absolute clusterfuck and disappeared and we don't know where people where people are at this point we don't really know what the structure and layout is because the idea of giving transparency for a wrestling company is something that just isn't never done mm. well guess what it's time for people to do that because yeah. these fucking cowboy carny days of doing it there is a large groundswell of people who aren't going to fucking tolerate it mm. yeah and again it's not expecting perfection but it's this very much been like the kind of the attitude has been like, we're doing this. So fuck you. It's, it's been so like kind of pushing up against people like in a deliberately antagonistic way, which is why I said at the beginning, it kind of reminds you of the attitude from a couple of years, which suggests that hasn't moved on and it hasn't. And it suggests that speaking out hasn't changed that as well or any emotions about it are just like, fuck you. I am angry about it. I'm not actually going to do anything about this. That that's that's how this feels, I and mean, it's like, and I'm getting angry about this. And oh. Like I say, I've been in a fucking belting mood <laughs> for for like large swathes of this weekend until this fucking company like comes up, and it's just like, oh Jesus, it feels like they're worse than everybody else, and it's like, you know, you, know, you don't want to do tit for tat comparisons with with other companies and, and how they're doing things there. But like whatever they think transparency is, and again, he's you know he's very keen on a bit of Susie Dent and Dictionary Corner, so maybe he could look up what transparency means and accountability while he's there. Mm. Or oh, fuck it, you'll go and watch the test match instead. <laughs> I mean, it, and it, the thing that like I shouldn't get lost in is all this is all. I love test match cricket. All for this. That was <laughs> all for the sake of using Paul Robinson on a show. Like I can't, yeah. I can't, I can't get past the stupidity of that. I just can't. Why was this so? Why was it I know so important? Crass analogies like TNA insisting on using Vince Russo, but in a much more kind of horrible way. It didn't make any fucking sense for them to do. Really, this is the hill they die on. Sorry, Ben. If you're gonna start fresh, start fresh. No, you're right. Um, and yeah, you know, and to your point, you said, said before, Gareth. Like, I, I listen. I have every belief from people I've spoken to this week and from our conversation last week and since then, I'm sure the people, when Progress panicked and brought in who they brought in, I'm sure the people behind it have got have got good intentions. I still do believe that. But that's another part of this, this as well. Like, I feel like there's been pushback this, this weekend and this, this week about, you know, holding... At the end of the day, I think if we haven't learned anything from speaking out, it's that, unfortunately, you've also got to hold your friends to account. You've also got to hold people to account who are, who are doing well. You've got to, you got to, in their own words, you know, people who are working. You know, you mentioned Lucy before doing the safeguarding. You know, the, the, I'm sure Lucy would expect people to to hold her to account, to hold the company to account. Mm-hmm. And that's all that's happened this week. That is one lesson from this week. I hope people have learned because I do feel like you know you mentioned compa- comparison to other companies, JP, and we said it last week. Mm-hmm. I felt like there was an air, there was an air last week of 
yeah, but, you know, the, the person behind this is our friend, so we can't hold her, her to account the same way we, we would hold other companies to account. At the end of the day, we, I think if we can learn anything from this last week, it's that, yes, those even your friends need to be held to account. Even well-meaning people need to be... That's, that's why this can't just be left to wrestlers. It can't just be left to promoters. It can't just be left to, unfortunately, the, the, the lone, what appears to be, safeguarding officer of a company who is taking the brunt of this as well, which, unfortunately, is something that comes with the role. It's going to take all of us if we're... I'm trying to see some positive and some light in the end of the tunnel and some positive that's come from this weekend. I think some positive that's come from this weekend is that the strength in numbers and the pressure that was put on the company did work and it did get an answer. Um, It's bad that it took that, but I take some cold comfort from the fact that, you know, maybe people woke up from the conversation we were having last Monday in that, you know, oh, I'm going to give this company the benefit of the doubt. If we've learned anything, to quote Jamesy, you can't give these fuckers the benefit of the doubt anymore. It's just, you just can't. I don't rant last week about this stuff. Like, Mm, like you just can't be giving the benefit of the doubt. Mm. And if it's like, and if you wonder why, then you, where were you over the last year mm. within within wrestling and British wrestling? Because mm. clearly, either you're too dumb to realise this was a big event, mm. or you're so callous that you just don't care. And that's kind of where I end up coming back to is the responses to a lot of this. Mm. It suggested that when it comes back to the story and how horrific it is, they didn't fucking care. They were more interested in their mate who didn't need to be there, being there. And it's much, and, and, it, and it's it, at push comes shove. It's boys club mm. over over fans, boys who, and girls club. Yep, boys and girls club for it as well. And once you're in it, but you can't hurt your own. Like they're behaving like mobsters. They really are. Where like you know you can only take out a hit on a made guy if you've got someone there with you at the same time. It's like. Whereas fans and everybody else, they're there to be exploited. And well, I mean, this was one of the things that sort of like didn't, I think it was that self-preservation element as well, which didn't sit right with me as well. Because I know like last week again on the show, Benno, you asked me about like, I don't know, the, the talent on the show when we actually moved on to that. And I was saying how I like, I felt a bit tight on the fact that I was pleased to see, like, like I said, like some of my Northwest favourites there, like your Ethan Allens and your Luke Jacobs and things like that been put on the show and and the fact that they were sort of <laughs> I didn't realise what a shitstorm but I said the last week that it felt like they were almost been thrown into the middle of the shitstorm, like show one kind of thing, first show back and all these new young fresh lads are there and I almost feel like they've just been they've been left to the shitstorm in these two email releases as well that have, or, or statements that have come out from, from progress as well with this whole, oh, well, it was fine by the wrestlers kind of thing. It's almost like just trying to deflect and put the onus on these these people who are like working work, work the show as well. And it'd been like, oh, they were all right about it. So, so we're all, all right about it. And that doesn't sit right with me either because that brings a lot of negativity on these guys. And, and you think about it, these are like, you know, we talk about the scene being decimated anyway. Like, forget speaking out, forget this situation and things like that. Like, the scene's decimated as it stands. These are the next generation of guys. And, and what they're doing is they're just putting stink on them a little bit as well by associating the, them with this and then making it feel like, oh, well, they, they they were all fine with it kind of thing. So you should be fine with it as fans. And then if we're not fine with it, then should you be happy for these guys that they got to work this show? Well, 
I was and I am. I'm happy that they got paid, you know, they were able to work, they were able to earn a living, they were able to get an opportunity. We've talked before, they were probably put in a situation where, I don't know, how much say they had in the matter, probably very little, you know, mm. as to who was agent and show and things like that. Mm. And I just feel like they've just gone like, there you go. We've got a big heap of shit on our plate. We'll just palm quite a fair bit of it off onto, onto these guys as well. Let's spread the load so it doesn't all just land on us. Let's make sure it lands on as, as many people as possible. And, you know, we, we almost, we don't care who we throw under the bus just to make sure that we come out of this, you know, smelling as smelling of roses as, as, as much as we possibly can. And, it all just it all just like brings me back to that point you made last week, Benno, when you you were like, like you said, like does progress need to exist? And like, yeah. like to, like last week, you know, I sort of like half took it on board and like laughed a little bit when you said it, kind of thing. And I was thinking, well, the industry leaders are the biggest name; they've got the biggest fan base and things. If we're going to rebuild a scene. We need progress to be leading it. We need them to be, you know, carrying things on their back as much as they they, they, they possibly can and kind of through that. I'm left today just feeling like, why should anyone support them? What mm. like like what's the, literally what is the point? What are you even supporting? Like I talked last week about yeah. it's a totally different company and things. It's literally just eight letters or like it's an eight-letter word. And like if you think about what is it beyond that? It's a series of shows and experiences that happened a few years ago that were good and we all had good times at, but they're also tarnished anyway Mm. by, if you think back to your happiest memories, it's basically impossible to touch on those without it being linked to speaking out anyway, because your best experiences relate to somebody who you wouldn't even want to go and see wrestle in a million years now. And you, you look back at yourself and you feel a bit dirty forever cheering them or liking them or anything in that, and you know, in, in, in that moment. So like, like literally, what is like, it? Yeah. Why, why, why support, why support them? Why not support somebody else who is genuinely starting with a clean slate? will do things a bit differently. They're not bothered about preserving their position in the industry and, you know, generating that level of revenue and you know meeting that contract or whatever that they've got with wwe and things like that let's let's get behind somebody else and build somebody else up who actually can transparently demonstrate to us that they do care and they will do things differently and they're not gonna like stand to the same bullshit that's that's gone before and certainly at the first opportunity aren't gonna drop a monumental fucking clangor like this yeah, that was that was my immediate like, and we're not gonna. It's not possible to review this show match by match. We're not going to. Um, I Saturday night, you know, when it got released at five o'clock, you know, I'm sure you know people saw my tweets. I watched the first five minutes, and the first five minutes gave me an immediate those exact feelings, Gareth, because the show opens with the old progress logo that not 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 the old old progress logo, but the one they were using before lockdown. It's a fucking it's a fucking progress logo on a wall with police sirens going past. And they decided to still use that. They thought they thought that was something to keep. They thought the chapter names were something to keep. They thought, like you said, like I said last week, they thought this this shell of whatever progress was in the past yeah. was worth <clears throat> bringing back. And it was immediately up. Never mind the shitstorm that was happening around it. Yeah, it, it immediately made me feel, yeah, this company does not need to exist. It's it's devoid of anything interesting in you. It's just, you know, they're just trying to plug, and I'm sorry to say it, lower standard wrestlers and commentators into into the progress mold instead 
of doing something new instead of something you've taken its place? And the answer to why is, well, there's money to be made still with progress. There's, like you say, there's WWE yeah. contracts that I'm sure needed to be, you know, uh, followed through. They're the main reasons progress still exists because, yeah, from a goodwill point of view, from, like I say, we're not going to be going through the, the product itself, but from a product point of view, you know, as a broad strokes overview of watching this thing point of view, just doesn't need to exist. There's no, it's not offering anything that makes this all desperately needed. Like I said before, you know, like it's using Paul Robinson. Was that desperately needed? None of this needs to be happening. I don't understand why it's happening. And even those first five minutes of the show was enough to me to look at it and just go in the face of this shit storm. Why are we even going through this? Why is this even happening? It felt like denial. Mm. It felt like denial that time had moved on since a, a kind of glory period. I mean, there was funny enough, you're, it's like you're reading my notes out from the notes I did make on the show, where it was like they haven't actually progressed. It's exactly the same kind of show. It just feels like you've got a sit, you've, you've, you've had a sitcom, mm. everyone's left, and you're just trying to replace them with people who aren't close to being at that level. And it's not to say that they wouldn't be there. But you'd need a whole lot of circumstances to get there, and even then, you'd be several years away. Puts them in a shit like, position, doesn't it? It no. puts them in. It. I, I felt like the commentators were set up to fail. I mm. felt like Roy Johnson, in some ways, was set up to fail 100%. because this is produced and taped. It felt like so much of the kind of booking, generally, of it. It was just like it was setting people. It was setting people up. It's like what we've said about the whole like kind of lack of kind of accountability and stuff like that. They just put people into positions thinking, well, they're the ones who'll get the shit personally. Mm. And like you, I don't have any desire to do that. Like, because it feels like it's just like a futile gesture, but I, 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 this was a hard watch and I did end up watching through some of it. And I had to be doing some work at 8am this morning while doing it in order for it to be kind of on there. But like I can't disagree with you guys. Like first, I've got here is what is progress at this point? It's not indie. It's not punk. It doesn't have the people who are there. It doesn't have the great workers. It doesn't have any kind of characters. Plus, it has this horrible kind of structure to it that deserves to be torn down as well. On top of all of this, so it's like, why the fuck are we there? Um, and I think Sarah, Sarah in the chat has said it. Alan Farrell has said it's Saved by the Bell, the new class. <laughs> yeah, not even the first season in the new class; it's the second season with all the other people. It's yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it a, really as, is. as Ian said, it's a parody of itself. It is, and it's another. You know, there's the serious issue of using these young wrestlers to deflect, and there's the mm-hmm. not so serious issue of using these young wrestlers to rehab. You fucking you dead brand because that's what it is, and you yeah. can frame it as, and that's the thing. If that's you're not the, supporting them. You're not supporting British wrestling. Well, remember? people want to frame that's, it that way, don't they? Guilty hook. People want to frame it that way, and I get it. You know, my friends are getting a chance. All these, all these young female wrestlers, for example, are mm-hmm. getting a chance, and there are positives to that. But at the end of the day, they they they're just being used as a shield to prop up this dead brand and fill network yeah. content. That's 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 the only feeling I got out of the, out of this product. Um, product. From watching, sitting there, and sitting through the two hours of it, or three hours of it. Down, oh god, yeah, it felt like fucking three hours. Mm. And deep down, like we know now, they don't give a shit about them. Mm. Push comes to shove, they are there to be kind of thrown out there as a deflector shield. Mm. But they don't 
care. This mm. is about wringing every pound out of a kind of out of a dead brand. Mm. That's what this is at this point. Um, and well, I tell, I, tell, I tell you what, they won't be getting any more fucking pounds out of me. Like I said yeah. last year, last week, I've spent I've spent thousands of pounds. It must be like a couple of years season tickets and mm-hmm. you know various things. New York, go to New York, watching you know watching them over the years, like you know. Literally, they, they then then won't be getting a penny out of me like any time in the short term, and I don't see any reason why they would be getting a penny out of me any time in the long term. You know, like they ended that statement the other day with like, "We hope you enjoy the show," and I was like, "Well, I didn't enjoy the show because I'm not watching your fucking show. Because why would I watch your show? Because this is the contempt that you've got for the fucking British fan base, the way that you hide away, and these are the stats that you put out, and this is the way that you treat people and things like that. So why?" I was like, I was sat there today, like, and uh, at lunchtime today, I was thinking, oh, it's we're talking about it tonight. Maybe I should watch it. And I was feeling, oh, I don't want to watch it because mm. I, you know, but I thought oh, I should have an opinion. And then that other statement dropped. <laughs> I was just like, well, there you go. I'm glad I didn't fucking watch it because I thought I felt very kind of like moral high ground about about not having done so and and, and not doing so again. But the feeling that you get when you look at things online today, you look at the comments from our, you know, live audience here now, you know, there's more people listen to our podcast than go to the ballroom for a chapter show. And mm-hmm. the people replying to us on Twitter, the people replying in this thread now, the people who generally, you know, feedback on our content week to week and things, I get the feeling that 99% of them are going to have the very same opinion as well. So almost in their greed and hunger to chase these pounds and, you know, try and, you mm. know, just get the show on the road and do things as cheaply as possible and um, get the, you know, get the, everything running back again and just skirt things behind the scenes and under the yeah. carpet and things like that so we can start generating money as quickly as possible. It's going to bite them on the ass because, yeah. you know, like I say, I won't be making that trip to, to London. I said previously I'd be making the trip to Manchester. I won't go to Manchester. Why would I go to Manchester? Watch guys that I can watch for other promotions that I maybe build more faith in in the, in the future because they're the same guys that they're going to be using. And if they're not, then that means they're signed away to fucking NXT UK anyway, and you won't be able to get, see them anywhere else full stop. So, you know, again, why you know why invest in them like mentally from that point of view? Why get them behind them and support them? It's dead, dead to me. Absolutely yeah. dead to me. We haven't really mentioned that they opened the doors and let the fucking Trojan horse come in and take a massive shit all over the British wrestling scene in the first place several years before that. So, and the people who argue with, that. with us about that, JP, to Garrett's point, it's not just that it's not it's not just the people, the types of people who listen to our podcast anymore. The people who argued with us in those days, those people are feeling the same way too. It's everywhere. It's yeah. It's it's a dead brand in every way. Like there is no reason for it to continue to exist, and yeah, if this weekend has taught us the, anything else, it's that. And I'm sorry, it's probably again. Don't really want to be talking the show, but they put in a piss poor, lazy effort on the show. Yeah, it was lazy booking. They just stole the people who do NXT cutaways and promos to do a bit with each of their talent because they all looked exactly the same, and then they decided, right, we're gonna. Raise the bar over Rev Pro for terrible camera work. It was worse than Rev Pro, uh, like, it was, and that takes a lot of doing. It was ca- worse than Rev Pro. Shocking. Yeah. The commentary was bad. Like that was, like like Donna said in the chat, completely inaudible. Roy Johnson was terrible to the point where like he was yeah. literally getting made fun of by the other wrestlers because he just he 
it's a horrible thing. They put him in a position where he has to try and be budget Jim Smallman. And sorry, you know, <laughs> Roy Johnson, who stopped being over in a unique act three years ago, maybe, um, isn't isn't going to be able wrestling. to pull that off. Yeah, and, and wrestle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, maybe maybe it's better than being in the ring. But like Dan Maloney was making active fun of how bad he was. Like, oh, I felt I felt bad for you know, Gareth. You said there's wrestlers on the show that I want the best for. I want to see Ethan Allen and Luke Jacobs take on the fucking world. And I just felt bad yeah. for them on this show. I felt awful for them. I felt bad for the women, some of whom are women who were you know who were very vocal during mm-hmm. you know the speaking out time and you know. I have issues themselves. My heart goes out to them. I completely understand why they've taken this payday and work this show. And I was just watching the way progress both used, and that's a key word, used and presented them. And I just felt bad for them. I just, yeah, it was, I I know it was the background of everything that was going on that day, trying to, because it was impossible to pay attention to with everything that went on. I can't imagine anyone watched this thing and wasn't aware of the the shitstorm that was going on. If you were trying to engage with those progress account tweets that were, uh, that were going on that day, like every reply and every quote tweet was about this stuff. But even, even if you could block all that stuff out, this was not a good product either. I know it's the least of our concerns, but it was bad. It was just bad. It was. So, yeah. I mean, I'm going to try and... I, the thing is, like, I can't go as far as... Like, I do host the British Wrestling Podcast. You know, call me a hypocrite. I'm going to end up having to watch this thing a second mm-hmm. time and reviewing it in full for BWE and you know, keeping an eye on these bastards for the lack of a better term. But... As a fan, I don't see why I would watch this stuff. Um, why well, you would keep asking them questions, Benno? That's what you become the watchman, mate. You become to fucking Manhattan in all of this process, where like suddenly you have to hold them responsible for it. In kind of let's face it, it's kind of vigilante justice way, which is not always necessarily a good thing. Mm. But you're relying on like people to kind of go in there and do the work that others either don't want to do or don't know how to do it Mm. and this is this is where we've ended up yeah and it's and because we're like kind of been there on the the kind of ground floor for lots of this seeing it happen we all have this kind of emotional investment it's just that you finally said with a if you think of all of that we've spoken about since the start of this podcast all for what that fucking show on saturday that kind of level of stuff that's more that's what we're we're doing is it? Mm-hmm. It's, it's got to that point. It's like, if that's the trade-off, then get rid of it. Mm-hmm. And there will be no tears, because it will have turned out to be one of the monumental letdowns in British wrestling history when it comes through to a promotion. Because mm-hmm. not only is there the kind of, like, like, kind of bad management aspect, but there's a level of cynicism here from people who just deserve to go the fuck away. Mm-hmm. and not like be involved about it and it's people at the top of this company who have like they've they've forgone their rights to kind of any kind of moral high ground or any other bullshit like that yeah like i say there's a few there's a few good words you can look up in dictionary corner like transparency and accountability and safeguarding while we're there they're also on the progress website, but you know, you've got to adhere to these things and actually be accountable to them, haven't you? You know, you can't just write words in yeah. places. You've got to actually fucking back it up with something. Um, yeah, might be something they want to think about. Yeah. I'll just say as well to anybody else, you know, go out and find, you know, when when wrestling can fucking again, you know, choose wisely. Think about who you're gonna support. 
ask questions, see what the information's there. Yeah. If they're not providing the answers that you want and things like that, don't fucking support them. If they feel like somebody that you can't trust, support them. Go with it. You know, you, you want to support the scene, do that. But uh, yeah, don't just habitually go back and you know, on repetition, just go back to these names because the uh, the logo's familiar or the the letters in the name of the business are familiar or something like that. You know, give your support to the ones who fucking deserve it because uh, right now, I don't think these guys have shown much reason at all for us to support them. No, yep. um, you know, and if you are going to watch it, just continue to hold these people to account, as Sarah said in the chat. You know, it shouldn't be on fans to do that. It's a disgrace it took this this week and this weekend for it to happen. But yeah, we learned this week that that is that is absolutely what it takes. Fuck, just exhausted by it. That's, yeah. that's that I am. I'm just tired. I am just tired. I'm past the point <laughs> yeah. of being angry. I'm past the point of shouting Brit Rez is dead as a meme and. You know, to Sarah's point, it is fucking dead. Grow up. <laughs> we all need to move on. But yeah, I just I can't even get angry at art anymore. I'm just tired. It is. It's just sad. Anything more on progress, lads? Anything more you want to say? Fuck no. Can they fuck off for a bit, please? Does anyone know why? Why? I saw it brought up in the chat a couple of times. Why did they need Paul Robinson's permission to say that he was working backstage? I still don't get that. I don't understand. Like bizarre. Absolutely bizarre. This feels like old carny bullshit stuff again. Mm, yeah. Reasons why veterans. it's it's a, it's, it's a reason. To, it's a release reason to delay the statement for a few days. Probably, yeah. basically, yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, it shouldn't be forgotten as well. This has all happened in the shadow of you know more you know the Irish are dealing with this as well. <laughs> you know, OTT yeah. closing ranks. You know, their comedies are going out and blocking everybody who had a slight opinion um, about speaking out. The wrestlers crows and rank. Nobody verbally offering support for you know the the GoFundMe's that are out there. Like it's it's yeah, it's not just Britain um, that are dealing with this. It's it's F, yeah. No one's learned anything. And you mentioned the GoFundMe's, mm-hmm. and that's really where and the crowd justice. That's where the kind of like if you're wanting to know like the reason why we get so angry and wound up about it. Have a look at those stories hmm. because that's that's what this fundamentally is all about, yeah. and the idea of people who are ha- who are willing to have the kind of cognitive dissonance to say I don't need to think about that because I just hmm. want to think about these happy thoughts. It's just like fuck, like you are massively part of the problem here. Hmm. You are nowhere near being part of any part of the solution. Um, yeah, and and it, it's like that's definitely the root. Like if you donate to those, yeah, yeah, and you know to that point, um, mm. you know, obviously our podcast is patron supported, and you know people are watching us live right now. I want to thank everybody for their support yes. of the podcast. Um, you know, this is our first month on Patreon. We, you know, just to say we are going to uh, donate a portion um, of our. Uh, patron uh, incomings the, this first month towards the you know the crowd justice uh, account that is out there for for Emily Doe and um, we will be doing that um anyone else who you know can support you know hopefully that'll you know it's not the type of thing we like to kind of it's not a, it's you know it's not a comfortable thing to kind of say out loud but if that encourages other people to to do that too you know uh, i would encourage you to do it you know that is that is one thing you know we got fans got a lot of pelters this this week and this weekend for being negative one positive thing we can do 
is donate to to to, to the crowd justice and the GoFundMe's, and mm-hmm. I'm sure they won't be the last either. Um, but yeah, you know, we'll be doing that on on behalf of Grapple, um, and we hope uh, that our listeners are are going to do that. It will will join us too, because um, it is an an absolutely worthy cause. Yeah, so <laughs> I don't know how we move on from Elimination that. Elimination chamber. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I mean, okay. <laughs> I feel like we spent we just spent an hour on on Brit Res JP. We we didn't even cover the you know the big Brit Res story of the week that that Tanya ends in the corn advert. Shouldn't shouldn't we have covered that? No, um, is that where we go next? Good. I don't know. I don't know where to go next. How are you, lads? How's things? <laughs> yeah, he did show that, didn't just he? on Tanya and. It's been a it's been a private joke amongst us for a couple of years, but he I've yeah. often thought that Tiny Iron is the man to say British wrestling, and, <laughs> and God forbid, um, yeah, he likes the corn. Mm. Um, Good lad, reject the meat. You think it's a shoot though? You think it's a shoot? I don't buy it. I don't buy it. There's no way he's that big, based on plants. Come on, no. Have you not seen my guns? <laughs> under your under your wolf t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> good lad. Yeah, good charisma. He delivered the line well. Mm. What, what was it? Half? Were you watching it half time of a derby game? They literally, they literally played the advert like pride of place half time during the mid side derby. That did happen this weekend, by the way, Gareth. Um, just in case you've, you've missed that. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it was yeah. A shit weekend. <laughs> yeah, and the whole world got to see Tyler. <laughs> Head, headphones went a bit funny. All right, okay, okay, nice one, Kevin Kelly. <laughs> yeah, that, that that was that that made me laugh. It made me immediately, immediately uh, think of you, JP. Um, yeah, that that was this weekend. Any thoughts on that, Gareth? At all? No. On Tiny Iron. Oh, oh no! Just like no, that game this weekend. Uh, I mean, okay, yes, it took twenty. Two years or whatever it was, it took a worldwide pandemic. It took no fans being there, but you know, Everton won at Lanfield. Not big news now. That's, I mean, all I can say on the matter is if Texas can freeze over, <laughs> then yeah, yeah, that's a fair. Anything yeah. can happen in twenty twenty one. But no, fair, no, fair play. They fucking deserved it. Absolutely mm. deserved it. So mm. I'll, uh, I, I, I'll get. There's a lot of similarities between Ted Cruz and John Broyley on one. Sorry, carry on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sarah's just said in the chat, by the way, on that corn chat, uh, Walter is a vegan as well. So, you know, there are strong vegans out there. Um, yeah. <laughs> I want to see Walter oh, in the corn. Again, in over like four years, Benno, I've heard you willingly bring up Everton on this podcast without it being somehow forced out of you. <laughs> like you. You're the one who's leading it. On I don't even care that much. That's the worst thing. Like I'm, I'm happy for the, ghost. I'm happy for the memory of David Moyes who went there so many times those years and, and never quite made it, you know. And then, as uh, as Matthew said in the chat, you know, we did, we did win two 0 but it's not as a thing. Uh, but really, I was just, uh, I was more bothered that, that I had uh, Dean as like my third sub in fancy football. To be honest, that was the main thing I cared about. I, I, knew, I knew that was bothering you more than actually like, getting, the, getting the win. But I'm, I'm uh, I'll humbly take it that, uh, that you were the better, better team, unlike my. Uh, uh, my son, who is the uh, least humble person, who has literally just been in my face now for three days, going two nil, two nil, two nil, two nil, two nil. So um, <laughs> I've been uh, as well as, well as uh, other uh, other things winding me up uh, this weekend. I've also had uh, I've also had that to, to live with as well. Uh, how bad we are! How we're not even going to qualify for Europe. However, they're going in the Champions League, and they've probably got a good 
good chance of uh, getting to the semi-final stages next year and everything like that. They'll probably win I've it seen, next year. I've, I've seen this story before. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Back when you work there it's, as well. Well, <laughs> well sometimes, Gareth, I, I would say, like, you know, you've got to crush those childhood dreams. Mm. Just every once in a while, just to kind of let them know that life sucks, get a fucking crash helmet. Mm. Which, again, <laughs> should be something I think all of us should stick by as a general rule in life. On a on a um, light point, and uh, I mean nothing in wrestling is that like there's always problematic links. But I don't know. Did anyone watch another thing I really enjoyed this weekend? Other than watching the derby, I watched Young Rock. Did you watch it in the NJP? No, I never got oh. around to it. Like I say, it's just been a bit of a mad weekend. I wanted to hear Dave Meltzer's review of Young Rock. Oh, it's amazing! Somebody. It's amazing because he, he can't let it go. He's like, "Well, that's not fa- that's not done. factually correct." Andre the Giant <laughs> didn't know Randy Savage. You know, it's just like. I mean, that's not an exact one, but it's stuff like that. But it's like Dave. What do you do if you watch his father Ted? Then <laughs> it's a TV show. Like, lose the lose his mind. You go like uh, just Catholic priests don't act like that. So then I had to do a mass in Latin. They wouldn't have a drunk priest there all of the time. As well. is that what he was like? Oh, it's amazing. Andre the Giant is normally taller than this. Was it any good? Uh, it, you know what? It's an NBC comedy, so it is going to be what it is, which is the bit that I don't yeah, think they. Because Keenan Thompson's got a show afterwards. That's the kind of hour long block. And yeah, I, I like yeah. him on SNL. Yeah, it's like I was mean, it, was it was it um was it something that you had to watch by means? Um, could actually watch it over here. Um, yeah, Uncle JP call that out, Gareth. <laughs> yeah, there might be a drive out there. Soaptoday.com, maybe. Uh, just throwing it out there as a, a oh, website yeah. that's useful. Um, <laughs> yeah, I watched it that way. Like, it's funny though, because yeah, you mentioned Melt. So, like, it's so like it's like uh, Lance Storm on his podcast on his Observer podcast this week was like, yeah. Anytime you hear Dave talk about being the elite, it just made him think I never want to watch that in my in my life. Dave Meltzer should not be covering comedy uh, as far as reviews go. Um, <laughs> But yeah, you know what? It was good. Cause like, it's like you know, in the vein of like everybody hates Chris, that type of thing. It's a, it's a light-hearted show. The Rock lives, yeah. you know, it, it's kind of going through three stages of his life when he's a little kid, when he's a teenager, um, when he's a little bit older, um, and. You know he's got a, he lived he's at home and you know Andre the Giant comes to visit and you know the Samoans are knocking around and you know it, it is your junkyard dogs around okay yeah maybe you know the the time scales a little bit off on some of those characters being all in the same house at once but if you're a wrestling fan and you you watch that and you can't get a little bit of joy out of it then there's nothing down for you. It sounds quite fun. I mean, I look. For, I'm hoping there's an episode where JYD turns up with a boatload of chang of fucking, um, we're not getting them stories we're not that's we're get- disappointing though. we're getting the sanitizer the rest of, of the riddle was a wild fucker and a terrible wrestler sorry i've got to interrupt here we're, get, we're getting a live tour of grapple towers here where's gareth going this is just for the video patrons only he's making a break <laughs> he's getting him, another beer oh we'll pass that the serious stuff now we can all have a beer um <laughs> but yeah young rock watch it honestly like the 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 young lad who plays the who, the, the different young lads who play the rock are all very good yeah. especially the eldest one he gets like the rock's mannerisms down and my favorite thing about the first episode is it's dedicated to his dad and he doesn't really they skate around his dad being a bit of a shit but you know it's it's actually it seems like a relatively honest portrayal of what you imagine rocky johnson was like as a dad um i'm not always really there and kind of you know uh bit egotistical and a bit bit in for, for himself which were kind of the stories you always heard about him and his dad but it's touching in a way you know in that it's in its honesty um in that it's done in you know obviously with a loving gaze as well best wb property on nbc i would probably say um can, i think that's fair can to I- say. 
Can I bring up some breaking news? Mm. This feels very much like Joe um, would have done this. Oh, go on. Paul Gascoigne signed up for the Italian I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here. <laughs> can he speak um, Italian? Yeah, the Italian version. But can he speak Italian? Well, we'll find out on live <laughs> That's going to be a lonely fortnight if he can't. Oh, we're going to have to do a weekly podcast on this, aren't we, Patreon? Nine pounds oh. here. Get it there. Yeah. We said we'd experiment yeah. on that here, so, you know. All you watching live, we might maybe oh, I'm up to that. together. I mean, if, if we'd been doing Patreon around that time, I'd have been doing live kind of blow-by-blow Clark Carlisle on Countdown-style reviews as well, just to kind of to see how he got on. I know The, the Guardian did a minute-by-minute commentary along going, that's a cracking seven-letter word from Clark there. Good, solid start. <laughs> um, I'll be watching that. Gazza speaking Italian. Is he going to turn up with a pair of plastic boobs on day one while being having to eat a fucking rat? I don't know. It's <laughs> Italian it TV, so then. it could be a bit mental. <laughs> fishing rods. <laughs> what was it, Joe? Oh, you know when... Uh, yeah, Raul Moat had dreadlocks like like the British Bulldog. That was my favourite thing, to connect the stuff. When they did, you know, they did, they did like a dramatisation of Raul Moat on, it was either Channel 4 or BBC, and they cast the juggernaut, a local Wigan wrestler, to play Raul Moat. Someone... One of the few people that I've actually wrestled and one of the few that I think isn't actually problematic <laughs> played Raul Moat on TV. That's that's something we could do for Film Club. There you go. Tie that in. Uh, we could do it as a compliment to the that, Gaza show. Why wasn't that his gimmick afterwards? <laughs> you really should have. Should have came back. We turned up in a Newcastle shirt, shirt and some <laughs> beers and a shotgun and just sort of walking out to the ring. Sorry, that's awful. That's, isn't it? <laughs> Well, we'll follow, follow, you know, well, after this week's uh, Patreon bonus show, we can't after, really talk. Yeah. But we've got more full of ideas, JP. We can do that. You were trying to push me this week to do a, uh, something like a, like a, I don't know, we'll do the podcast stories of, of my time in wrestling. Maybe, maybe you'll, you'll twist me on. I say that like I, I'm I was, not the I one just, trying to convince JP. <laughs> I was just going to say there, I want to do a match review of um, Benson Richards against Juggernaut. Yeah, there you go. The, uh, something we could break down. The Benson Richard Chronicles. Benson Richard E. WordPress.com, by the way, if you want to see my blog about that. But yeah, you know, we could turn that into audio. It's all filling. It's the time's filling itself. It's it's easy, this Patreon stuff. Does that mean we can make like young Benno? Where it's you sort of recounting the time of you training to be a wrestler. <laughs> I think we're gonna to have to edit a few, a few people out of that uh, that TV show, but oh, I just think so. Yeah, like, be like second scene. Why is there five people with their faces blurred? Mm. <laughs> That's all right. One of them wears a mask anyway, um, and he's got a wonky eye. Anywho, you could con. Good, good concept that for you, Benno. There, sat by the fireside in your smoking jacket, reading your blog out there. If you're a, you know, little late parter. <laughs> to be fair, it'd take us fifteen minutes and we'd be done. To uh, to get the even if we didn't watch along with all the in ring content, we'll be getting squashed. There you go. Idea in there, uh, but yeah, we have got a lot covered up on the uh, to throw a plug in on the Patreon over the next week or so. We. Timely or not, we did throw in uh, our first deep dive slash whatever we're going to call it episode this week. We put some <laughs> options in there. You might need to change the name. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to mention the, the suggestions we have for the name, but it is looking if you want more. We can't get away from it. Um, we the, uh, the 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 life and death of uh, of progress is uh, is currently winning the uh, the poll. We, we there are options in there for uh, for uh, coverage of the World Bodybuilding Federation, you know, the death of Yokozuna. Mm-hmm. Celebrities and wrestling, there, the types of things we're going to be looking to cover on this one. But I think we we kind of know uh, the rise and fall of progress is going to win this week. Um, but yeah, there's going to be that. Obviously, we did a mixtape episode last week that is a. Uh 
subscribe to the Patreon to see what that one was about. Um, and also, you know, coming for the live subscribers who are, who are watching us now, there's going to be our first um, happy hour episode uh, next weekend. So stay tuned for, for details of that as well. Plenty, plenty going on on the Patreon. But yeah, now that we've got that awkward segue out of the way, we probably should talk some of the wrestling that we've, uh, we've watched over the, uh, the last uh, week or so. Let's start with it. You mentioned it there, JP. WWE, Elimination Chamber. I can't imagine we're going to spend much time on it. Uh, was I the only one of the three of us who, who stayed up late last night to watch this thing? Yeah, I'd work today, you mean. <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking. Fucking Elimination Chamber. <laughs> to be fair, it was done by half two, you know, and that's pretty much my normal bedtime, so it kind of worked out. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, it was like two and a half. It was one of these two and a half hours. The shorter the more. I hear John Pollock's review and he seems quite happy. Mm. Then, like, you always think, oh, this show went short. Mm. This did a little over two hours. He's quite pleased that by half past nine, he's able to get a show in the bag. But it is the one benefit still, of, man. like, oh, not the one benefit, but like the, of, of this era when it comes to WWE is that, yeah, they've actually curtailed their, their long run pay per view times. Doesn't mean, like, I feel like I spent my two and a half hours well um, by the end, end of, of watching this thing. You know, as we talked about on the news show on Friday, JP, like, this concept is just not one I'm, I'm hugely interested in anyway. The whole Elimination Chamber stuff, like, I was shocked. Like, the opening to the, to the show, and I tweeted about it at the time, was Michael Cole talking about the fact that, yes, 19 years ago, uh, the Elimination Chamber uh, concept was put together by Eric Bischoff for Triple H and I was like fuck I think of Elimination Chamber as like this this new idea <laughs> you know one of the later ideas that WWE came up with and it's fucking 19 years old and there's been 28 of the fuckers now like that's how old we are that's, that's where if, that, if nothing if nothing sums up modern WWE that's that the first oh, one was still the best one <laughs> yeah yeah brown tight Shawn Michaels was 19 years ago it was 2002 mate like that's that's how fucking old we are Oh, this business is fucked. What's going on? That's mental. Oh, isn't it? And if you ask me, like, what are the great Elimination Chamber moments? Mm. I am struggling mm. massively. Mm. Massively struggling. Um, I hate this show. It was only because of this show that I found out there's another fucking pay-per-view before they're doing the next one as well. Mm. But, like, I... I, I, sorry, I say I hate the Elimination Chamber in and of itself. Mm. It could be useful if you booked it correctly and did it, but that would require another company to do that. Um, you could get some value and mileage out of it. And I won't lie. The first match is kind of the high point of it. Yeah. The good time watching that. You, yeah. You coined the turn. It's Daniel Bryan, Bryan and friends. Plus we've got in a oh, bit. It's all the indie boys, mate. Here. He's got a bit of power uh, now. Yeah. This is why I watched we'll get rid of Corbin in a bit. <laughs> he's got like, he's, he's gotten a little bit of power and he's gotten jobs for the indie boys. Let's give Cesaro a push out of fucking nowhere. Let's give, let's give Sammy, uh, Sammy Zayn and Kevin Owens a little bit of play the place. Let, like you say, let's get Baron Corbin in and out of this match and then we'll get back to the indie boys again. That's why that's they're the, literally the first. 45 minutes of the show uh, the the only thing I enjoy about the WWE product when I say to you guys I'll watch Smackdown I'll fast forward through it these are the bits I watch the Roman Reigns segments and the stuff where Daniel Bryan because he's got that little bit of power now just wants to endlessly book himself in matches that involve Cesaro and I'm down for it you know I gave it I gave it 3.75 on Grapple I think that's around you know what the average is there I had a great time watching that first match I felt 40 minutes later like I'd entirely wasted my time because it's WWE and why why <laughs> why did I get swept up in being invested in that thing because they're always going to make you feel like you've wasted your time 
but for the you know for the time I spent watching that first match, I was like, oh, actually, you know what? I should probably go to bed after this. It, it probably would be the uh, <laughs> the high point of the show. It turned out to be it, but yeah, I'm with you, JP. I really I really enjoyed those first like half an hour to forty minutes of the show. When Cesaro started doing the press ups, and I couldn't fail to be impressed when he he, mm. he did that, and there was enough kind of crazy stuff going on that mm. it was always kind of enjoyable and engaging, as opposed to like what appears to be the Dorian Gray portrait of the final one as mm. well, which is all kind of like hellish, mm. where there isn't these kind of good workers and this interesting story, mm. and like they're like the complete antithesis of each other, like these two matches, like bookending it. But yeah, mm. I, I, I enjoyed it. I even enjoyed the minute and a half bit afterwards, just to the fact they let Brian get in the um, yes lock. And I thought, oh, okay. That was a hot start to the match. It just didn't really get... It was a hot... (laughs) Yeah. It didn't go anywhere. Yeah. And I didn't expect it to go anywhere. But it kind of, at least, you know, he still keeps some of his heat Mm. and his shine. Whereas that's never been something they've been even remotely interested in. Mm. And he's probably the kind of person where he's saying, well, obviously I'll put him over and it's only going to take this long because that's how long he should take to beat me if he's completely fresh. And I've just done half, like 40 minutes in the cage with these lads. Um, but at the same time, it, it's like I, I I kind of enjoyed all of that as an angle in, in and of itself. I thought up until Edge turned up, which is the least interesting thing about the whole thing for me, because I looked at that cage match, I looked at the Elimination Chamber, and I looked at Reigns, and I thought Reigns versus Brian could get on board with that. If they went all in on some Cesaro push, why not? I'd watch Reigns versus Cesaro. I'd I've enjoyed Reigns versus Owens on the main. Like I've enjoyed Jey Uso. I mean, obviously Baron Corbin can get to. Can, <laughs> he does a yeah, role, so though. If you're going to use him in like, he does a role for five and minutes and throw him out. Match, yeah, yeah, exactly. In a six person, and he wasn't there to troll you, mm. which has always been about how he's been kind of always to troll, <laughs> troll fans. I, I, well, there's always going to be that element to him, but I didn't mind it. I was like, I kind of, I understand the role and the purpose of him being there for it, so I didn't mind that. I just thought after that, it just kind of blurred really into this kind of amorphous WWE product that is okay. Like the three-way match and the tag match, I saw them. There was wrestling that went on. Mm. Can't really remember too much other than I was going, all right, yeah, so this is how they got Lashley out of the US title scene and into the kind of main event scene. That kind of makes sense. But Mm. it wasn't necessarily a show that like – it just feels still like it always has done as this unnecessary pay-per-view and gimmick concept that doesn't need to exist really at this time of year. And you certainly don't need two of these matches at this time. Two men's ones as well. Yeah. That was what was weird about this show. Like, I don't, I didn't really understand. Again, I I called it a arm's length AP. Like I made the mistake of really enjoying that first match and getting a little bit invested in the idea of Brian and Roman and then that quickly getting crushed. Then Roman Reigns is probably the only wrestling to be at a quite race at the moment. Like you said, him turned up with fucking edge in the year of our hood 2021 is something I can't be, I can't be less interested in that. And as usual, like I say, I'll, I'll give I'll give some props to you know I did enjoy that first match. You're always you're always reminded by the end of it, like oh yeah, there is a reason why I need to keep this product at arm's length. And yeah, it, 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 the bits you mentioned there were definitely concerns, but it absolutely absolutely got worse from there as well. Did did you see all of this, Gareth, or have you seen some of the show? 
Yeah, I see. I've seen. The, I've literally seen the entire show except for the last ten minutes of the main event. Oh, so, let me tell you. Like, <laughs> like, uh, like with like with this one, like I gave it three point two five. I didn't enjoy it as much as you. I was definitely like zoning out in bits. Like, it's still an elimination like chamber match at its at like, its like, core. Like, like a like a lot of WWE, it was it was just there. Like mm. it wasn't. I didn't. It wasn't terrible. Like, it wasn't good. Like, I was sitting there, I was thinking, what does this remind me of? And it just reminded me of, like, the McDonald's that I had at the weekend. (laughs) Like, I didn't, like, massively dislike it. I didn't massively enjoy it. It was just there, and it was familiar, and, like, and it did a job. And, like, (laughs) for this, like, I don't know, it was, yeah, it was fine. It was the, it was probably one of the better matches on the card with, you know, some, you know, some of the interactions there, particularly like the Brian Cesaro stuff. Obviously, that was really good at the bookend in the match almost to, 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 to some degree a little bit. I really liked the rain stuff with Brian. I loved that where he went for the spear and he immediately, um, you know, put him in the le- yes lock. Thought that was good. And like that just left me thinking. Oh, they're going to do Brian Reigns at Mania, and like and that was where it left me feeling. And I yeah. and I thought that is going to be really good because it's. I love Reigns, same as you. I love a bit of Roman Reigns. It's literally the, pretty much the only high point I get of like having to watch these WWE shows for doing this podcast. But obviously, Daniel Bryan's Daniel Bryan, and especially if it was like WrestleMania, then he'd come with his working boots on as well, and like. Brian Reigns right now at WrestleMania is actually something I could find myself getting pretty fucking excited about. But now he was rolled out of the ring and off he off he popped and here comes Edge to point at the sign and set some fireworks oh. off and here we go like Edge and Edge and Roman Reigns and you're just like oh. you'll get it on the on the fast lane to WrestleMania, mate. So you know you're at least getting that. Um. <laughs> what does that actually mean? It just means they got you another show what? to do before WrestleMania, mate. That's all. <laughs> Two of the fuckers. I honestly didn't realise that show was coming until you no. mentioned it there, JP. Because I saw, like, when I was watching this today, it flashed up and it said 48 days till WrestleMania. And I genuinely went, yes, I don't have to watch anything for 48 days. That was, like, my gut reaction kind of thing, that I, there's nothing in between. But now I know that I have to watch Fastlane in between. So I'm sure ah, they'll, you find don't some, have to. Don't worry about they'll, they'll find some convoluted way of fucking dragging something out you know to you know for no apparent reason and no real outcome between now and fast lane and then get themselves back in back in line you know i don't know it's always the way i get yeah you've got to hold them at arm's length like i say i definitely enjoyed that opener match more than you did i think for me it was just i felt like everyone was i think just everyone played the role well even to the point of you know sammy Zayn and kevin owens trying to crack each other up in in the opposite pods mm-hmm. from each other and like i said even baron corbin played his role well you know brian cesaro in there is like the valiant losing baby face all of that worked for me but it was the absolute polar opposite of the other elimination chamber match because once it got to that point it was like oh yeah this is this is why i don't usually watch that watch their shows and yeah uh, you mentioned there gareth that you, that you didn't see the, the last 10 minutes of it and i said but i did our pre-show that yeah i felt bad today because i uh oh, I, I, I ruined it for you I, I i put in our group chat that yeah uh, oh yeah i can't come you know i was, was kind of into the first half of this show and then the miz happened and i just laughed um yes that is that is don't a true worry, headline <laughs> No, I didn't think I would. <laughs> that just made me laugh, to be honest, because that's where I am with WWE at this point. We can't we can't sit here and seriously analyze the WWE product in 2021. It is what it is. And honestly, 
you know, you might call me mad for staying up till half two in the morning to watch this thing, but it felt worthwhile for the hearty belly laugh I gave at half two in the morning when the fucking, when the fucking Miz comes out of all people to cash in his money in the bank briefcase after the whole thing was basically to explain to you, Gareth, that Lashley and the Miz did the deal. So Lashley came out and battered uh, your mate Drew, which actually you might have enjoyed that segment, um, and then left him laying um, for the Miz to come in and get the pin. And a WWE pay-per-view, Again, in the year, I can't stress it enough, 2021 ended with The Miz standing there as WWE champion, and I was just pissing myself laughing. Like, just the, his fucking, his WrestleMania win was a de- so big WrestleMania match, sorry, with Cena, was a decade ago. It was a full decade ago when they did the whole Nas Hate Me Now video with The Miz, and he had Riley behind him, and that great gif of him going backstage and going for the handshake with Triple H and not getting one because nobody respects The Miz. All of that. 10 full years ago. That's how long ago it was. And the WWE, who have spent more money than any wrestling company in the history of the world in talent acquisition, end their pay-per-view with the, the the option for doing this angle for and the obvious the obvious reason is that they're gonna have the Miz as champion he's gonna use lose to Lashley which will be part of their deal and then you know your mate Drew gets his big WrestleMania moment Gareth so you get to look forward to that. Um but the choice they had for that role was the Miz the miss 10 years later like it was the ultimate troll job and it was i'll be honest lads it was very funny because i don't well, care this, this whole event this whole event was almost like kind of like the poster for mm-hmm. the staleness of the, the wwe yeah. product wasn't it like one of the things i said last week was around aw and i'm really intrigued to see how they managed to recycle oh sorry they cycle talent in and out and like are they going to like grip to these people and just like keep them under contract for five years six years seven years and things just to just to have them there and just have them as 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 pieces in the puzzle because like obviously back in the day you had these people who had these runs and they were cycled in and out and they'd go to wcw or they'd do a little run in ecw or piss off to all japan for a bit or things like that and you always almost had that like kind of freshness of new talent coming through or somebody would go away for two years and then they'd come back so they'd feel a little bit fresher than they were and things like that but this this whole like show if you just go down the names of this like i saw something on instagram and it was like it sort of showed about 20 of the wrestlers and it was showed them from 10 years ago and now and they were just all in WWE 10 years ago and they were all there now and they were like pretty much on this card that just got me like going with this and I was like even looking I was like who's fresh on this card and I was like oh Baron Corbin's fresh and then I looked and he was like he made his main roster debut five years ago Baron Corbin like I was thinking like what's that comparable to that's comparable to Savage Steamboat at WrestleMania 3 and then Savage having that match with Flair at WrestleMania 8 and you think like how much like ran through in that period of time of like Savage's career and everything that changed in the industry to that point like Ted DiBiase's run as a whole as the million dollar man was six years all the way to the end of the IRS run and you're like Corbin's been there five years and that's kind of like one of the 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 most fresh people on this like it just uh, it just i think you know it's it's definitely part of the problem that in these matches i was just watching people do stuff and it was just like him and him again like sort of thing yeah i think it was in one of the matches they were talking about you know randy orton and i don't know kofi kingston like they've had this ongoing feud for 10 years and like i was just like Really? And you expect us to be fucking remotely invested in it at this point? And this is like one of the main matches on your main pay-per-views in a in a gimmick match that's got zero heat behind it because 
and it only exists because it's on a pay-per-view called Elimination Chamber. So February, mate, so as a not? consequence, in February, there has to be an elimination structure in one of your buildings for wrestlers to wrestle in and not even really use the structure that much, to be honest. They sort of come out of a come out of a thing in the corner and apart from Cesaro doing a couple of pull-ups and somebody maybe just getting whacked into the side once or twice. It was just some lads wrestling in the middle of the ring, really. You know, there wasn't like a there wasn't like a great deal of consequence going on with the uh with the uh, torturous structure that they'd built around them, you know. Oh. So it was, it was for me. This was, I don't know. It, it it just said stale. That was the that was the way that that was the thing that just stale talent, stale gimmick, you know, stale promotion, stale booking, and stale environment. Mm. That environment is a drag as well, isn't it? It's got more Black Mirror by the fucking day. <laughs> they appear to be getting bigger and bigger. These heads, and it's just like a kind of dystopian wrestling nightmare mm. um yeah i'm completely with you on that about the staleness i was just like looking at the main event like and just looking at that 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 second main like that second chamber match and what they were building up as all the big stars and it's just really a lot of people that they tried to push and they never really succeeded in that any kind of like sort of meaningful crossover way and i put randy orton firmly in that category as well as someone who's known by wrestling fans but we didn't all go mad for that film with he did with Ed Harris, did we? Mm. No, that kind of disappeared off into the ether. So, like, it is so stale, and like, it's. I, I was thinking as well, like, just that the whole elimination chamber, like, they're talking about like the bulletproof glass and stuff like that. It's like I've just bought an A2 picture frame that looks like it's fucking sturdier <laughs> than some of that. It breaks glass. every time as well, doesn't it? It's hilarious. <laughs> It never looks like staying like, but it's just brittle. Mm. I just expect it to break every time as well. And it's just, just the unnecessariness of it. And it's, it's the fact that I suppose, you know, when you think of it's kind of its main competitor in AEW, which like admittedly, it's going to be doing an exploding death match. I'm intrigued to see how they, they're going to do that. But at the same time, like there is the idea of they've only had that one cage match so far. And it had meaning to it. And something actually I still remember, and that was like a year ago. Mm. Um, I think they were all promoting it. It was literally a year ago this week. Whereas these things just don't mean anything. The steel, the structure, and I hate that word structure as a result of them <laughs> repeating it. Like, it's it's just meaningless, isn't it? It's just fucking Lego. It's just wrestling Lego <laughs> and throwing stuff out there. You build something wacky. Yeah, why not? Let's put it on a show. And it's just so, so lazy. It's fallen into these kind of traps where the gimmick dominates the pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. And you can kind of wonder whether or not there's a lot of decline in their kind of business and interest since they went down that route where matches didn't sell. They didn't think character sold, but they still just believe that this brand sells. And I think looking at this show and looking particularly at that main event, it's an idea of actually when you focus so much on thinking that the brand sells everything, look at these lot. There's a, there's a whole load of people there. Gareth says it. Would you have any of them there? Is Kofi there because they want to, again, like I said about them, not trolling fans as much with Corbin. Kofi's there to lose to troll fans who loved the Kofi mania stuff last year Mm. for good reason. Because he's an engaging human being of a character that you can show a bit of interest in. And guess what? He can fucking wrestle. So it's worth going with him. Where's Big E? You know, I was thinking of that when The Miz won. And I was thinking of all that 
bitching and whinging he did on Talking Smack with Big E. It's like, this proves the point. Mm. He just gets pushed there for fuck all. And he's going to be put in a big money match. And a, like, well, there'll be angles with Bad Bunny around the place. He gets rewarded for mediocrity in the ring. Big E, who is definitely no worse than The Miz and is a much more High kind praise. of charismatic person. He's not there. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, look, you know, he's not fucking Jumbo Saruta, but at the same time, like, he, like, this is someone who clearly there's an investment in. You can do interesting stuff, and they just have no interest whatsoever in it yeah. as well. And that's where I kind of came, well, even Bianca Belair, who had thought, okay, coming out of the Royal Rumble, looking special. What was this tag about? Who's that bloke, Reginald? <laughs> What is that? Last time I saw him, he was doing effectively parkour in a ring with Sasha Banks. What the fuck is this about? It's on the road, WrestleMania season. What's going on? Yeah. Sorry, I didn't <laughs> like this show that much. That's the long <laughs> short of that review. They, they, had so, they had so much to play. I was just waiting for... Um... I was just waiting for Steve Flooder to suddenly come rolling out of the back there because I was like, as I, as I watched the card, I was looking and I was like, Kevin Owens, John Morrison, AJ Styles. That three-way, mate. MVP, Samoa Joe. I was like, all PCW old boys. I was like, imagine if this suddenly became the Evoke Chamber and they were like fighting to be the uh, the, the king of Evoke, the king of PCW with, uh, with, with Flooder there. I was like... That's I'd be paying to see that. I wouldn't be fucking going to bed if uh, if that was the uh, if that was a potential. Morrison Lashley Riddle has got roads of glory. Yeah, Morrison Lashley Riddle has got roads of glory. Day three written all over it, like the the leftovers match. Never mind TNA five years ago. Yeah, it's it's an absolute shambles. But again, I just I just find it funny at this point. It's funny to laugh at. Can't say I'm excited for WrestleMania. I'm excited to kind of like cover it and again laugh at it, but. Yeah, that is that is the you've got you've got to hold WWE 2021 at like at arms reach away from you because otherwise it's just it's not worth your time. It just isn't worth your time. And I fall for it when I enjoy a little bit of SmackDown or I enjoy a little bit of Roman Reigns. But they always always find a way to uh, to to have you come crashing down. Um, so you know you said before that it looks like it's the direction is going to be like McIntyre against Lashley. Yep. Is McIntyre getting the belt back then before? No, I think they're going to put the belt on La- on really? on Lashley, and then McIntyre gets his big win in front of a crowd finally at WrestleMania, and he gets over his, Lashley. He gets his Roman Reigns coronation moment. Um, yes, against Lashley. Yes. What a moment! What a WrestleMania moment that's for Drew. It's a slam of moment. <laughs> he's going to he's going he's to come out there on that giant stage with the biggest sword you've ever seen in your life and smash it square into the top of the ramp there's going to be electricity everywhere as the crowd go mild fucking hell who who uh who can't wait for that one drew getting his crowning moment fucking hell it'd be funny if you did a bit of like sort of a shock master thing just sort of slipped over as well um not killed himself jesus i'm not a fucking monster i didn't really like i wonder whether or not that bad bad bunny him and mate. that's the match yeah. Oh, is it him and versus Miz? It's not Morrison and Miz versus him and Judas Priest. Oh, I don't know. They've not announced anything, but who knows? That's probably the way they're going. Uh, Judas Priest. <laughs> they made they made Miz look the heel. Sorry, Miz looked the face to me. The four year old rookie. It's like it was like Miz was there. That fucking bad bunny came and like talked shit to him, and then like slapped the Miz, and then the Miz turned back, and bad bunny was like hiding behind Damien Priest. 
I was like, what a fucking shit house. You're going to go up to someone and slap them and then hide behind yeah. your bigger your bigger pile. I was like, go on, Miz, fucking batter him. The little shit. And apparently it's supposed to be the face. <laughs> well, do you remember they tried to make Mayweather the face against Big Show? That went well. And then suddenly realised within a week that Floyd Mayweather can't do it. But then he got that brilliant, like, kind of punch in on Big Show and broke his nose and, and skedaddled brilliantly, just like leaping <laughs> over the top rope and running off. That was... And I still think that's the high watermark of these kind of celebrity involvement matches. Obviously, until the great Shaquille O'Neal makes his debut uh, well, in a couple of weeks. <laughs> well, <Yeah>. speaking of, <laughs> I mean, over to AEW because we will have to uh, bomb through some of the, uh, the different things we've been watching. We are going to talk some Bloodsport in a bit as well, promise. Uh, and maybe some MLW even. You know, even if one of us didn't do the homework and watch it, and you'll be surprised to find out who. Um, <laughs> on the <laughs> AEW. <laughs> oh, shit. Us. Zaki's rain. Oh, sorry, God, I made still sound well there. Um, <laughs> on, fine, on the on the AW front, uh, I, I found it interesting actually, uh, Garrick. Yeah, before we talk some uh, some dynamite from last week, you were saying uh, put up some stats up on Twitter this week of like you know we we, we have a good time having a laugh at it with me, but genuinely the run that AW have been on as, as far as having like really good TV matches these past few weeks like i hadn't realized like basically what are we saying there's a match every week that hits at least 3.75 stars these last few weeks every single week since the turn of the year apart from the 20th of january show every single week there's been a match that's been like 3.75 on average or over so you had the omega phoenix match week after you had Darby Allen cage week after that you had dax howard jungle boy week after that you had kenny and the good brothers against Moxley, Moxley Pack and Phoenix. Week after that, you had Omega and Kenter against Moxley and Lance Archer. Then you had, last week, the Rio and Serena Deeb match. And, like, that is just, like, it's just fucking unprecedented. You know, it it, it, it just doesn't happen. You know, if, like, um, you know, for example, this year, if you take Raw, SmackDown and NXT and you combine it, there's only been two 3.75 matches across all of those different shows, you know. So you're talking about three times as many shows coming from the WWE where, you know, what's that, three hours, two hours, two hours, you know, you've essentially you've got nine hours, nine hours of TV up against two hours of TV on a weekly basis. And it's produced like three times as many 3.75 star mm-hmm. matches as a whole, which is like pretty fucking crazy. And I was like, what was this like last year? And I went back and I just like, compared with WWE last year. And WWE last year, when you isolate those things as well, I think they only had, I haven't got the numbers right in front of me, but it was definitely no more than five matches they had on TV in the whole of last year that were like 3.75 or higher. So I think, you know, I, I heard like one of the replies on Twitter was was like, oh God, I hope this isn't the world we're living in where like runs of 3.75 star matches are as good as it gets. I'm like, that is really good if you just like for a weekly TV wrestling product in America. If you turn in it on and watching a 3.75 star match pretty much every week, there's always one. Um, that's that's great to me. And I mean, Big Tone was obviously a fan as well because he gave it the big like as well. So go ahead, Tone, lad. Uh, Be brave, Tone. Uh, hit that retweet. Friend, 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 friend of the app. We pray that's all he hears of us. <laughs> yes. um, <laughs> Everyone keep that whole thing we used to do quiet. It didn't happen. No, carry on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, that, that catch was, no, was never a There's thing. a whole series of bed sheets and stuff that I was very close to ordering. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean that ma- that match from this week was that mm. Serena Deeb Rio match and oh, what a great oh, match that God. was! Like 
what a fucking match that was. Like, mm. what a what a really, really good match. And, you know, again, we've talked in the past, like, obviously, people will have a, have a go at the AEW women's division. People forget to some degree that for the last 12 months, it was obliterated, you know. It was built heavily around Japanese talent, wasn't it, really, when it was first brought into play. Obviously, Chris Stantlander was someone who was prominent for them, who... Um, who got injured and you know, couldn't wrestle anymore. Kylie Ray was someone initially who was some, going to be someone who was key for them as well. Britt Baker was injured for quite a mm. period of time. So, you know, they have had their challenges there and they've sort of had to just get on with it. And, you know, I'm not going to turn around and say it's been fantastic, but I think where they find themselves now, like 12 months down the line, again, some of these women's matches and the talent that they've got, they're absolutely first mm. class, you know, they're, they're, you know, real, real great stuff. And even Serena Deeb, someone who was just sat there in the WWE system, just coaching people basically yeah. in a warehouse, wasn't she? And like every match she has is a fucking quality match. You know, she's she's she looks absolutely great in there, and uh, and with diverse opponents as well, she's pulling out lots of um, lots of top end matches as well. I mean, this one for me, where you know, obviously, um, you know, just some like real, you know, real fast-paced exchanges there, you know, some of the submissions that were involved, real, like, hard-hitting strikes, like, real meaty-looking strikes, mm. not from, not just from Dee, but also from Rio as well, where you look at her and she's an absolute, you know, tiny, tiny woman. She can, she really looks like she's, you know, putting her full body behind them strikes, and they look more realistic than some of the ones I watched at Bloodsport, you know, watching this match <laughs> um, pretty much, uh, pretty much oh, straight awful. after as well. But, you know, the nice little story they told with, with Serena's, Serena's knee and you know the the way that they worked around that as well. Um ah, loved this match. Really, really, really good. Yeah, it was one of these matches where it could be a tournament match and you think who's gonna lose? Are they gonna lose something from it? Nobody loses anything from it. And it's one of the things as well, thinking about Rio, where I don't like the gimmick. I hate the music. I think the music is just the stuff of it's like manic minor gone wrong. It's like that theme music. It's just terrible. Like, but at the same time, she has a tendency to have these really good matches. And you think about Nyla Rose, and there was this kind of crowd connection that was there. Adding her to the mix now is kind of interesting having this year. And it's a shame about Anna Jay today because she's out, I think, I want to say six to 12 months, oh. which is like a real shame for someone who. And Alan brought it up in a year entry. Is this someone who's ever worked a match in front of a live audience? Like in front of a real proper live crowd that's that's been full. But it's these little things, it's these matches. These are the things that I think they're your stepping stones and your building blocks. And someone like Serena Deeb, it should you'd like to think that there are people who are just feeling like they're completely wasted within the WWE system and developmental and not going anywhere. And there's the opportunity, and you think of the opportunity she had when she was brought in, and it was, and it seemed like every week she completely capitalised on it. The first match was against Thunder Rosa, wasn't it? And then they had, then the NWA match, and you know, there is, there's a, there is a, a good body of work. I'm not going to say great because it's not at that stage. They've not had that kind of killer women's match to kind of set them on the map. But what I will say is. Since Thunder Rosa and Serena Deeb have arrived, there's been a real noticeable step up around that division as well. 100%, yeah. Got rid of that Abaddon shite as well. Like, I'm good with that. Mm. So I went 3.75 for that. Could easily have gone four. I think they were going closer to four on the app, weren't they? Just, 
Yeah, so. I think I went 3.75 on that as well. Like, share of it. Completely agree with everything you said. I think it was the average 3.88. So, so I'm a little bit below the average too. But, you know, killer TV match. Um, I really enjoyed that on this week's show. I tell you what I also really enjoyed. And I, 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 I think, like, my grapple rating kind of doesn't give away how much I enjoyed it. Was that FTR tag? I, I give the F, I give FTR a lot of grief. I gave that match 3.25 stars because that's all it was. But it was just a really enjoyable, like the most I've enjoyed them. Like they just felt, I mean, don't get me wrong, like Matt Seidel's brother, Mike Seidel, most famous for taking that <laughs> moonsault um, styles clash all those years ago on a CZW show. Like that's the most, you know, I've ever really heard about uh, Matt Seidel. If you haven't seen it, watch the gif. It's horrifying. It is generally horrible what happened to him. He was out for like six months from it. Don't take moonsault styles clashes, everyone. <laughs> um, but like no. he, he's someone who, you know, he's been a name who's been around and he's clearly just in, you know, as a favor to Matt. He wasn't particularly good in the match either. And there were lots of clunky moments in the match. But some, I really liked something about that. I liked that FTR were just rugged in the match. Like, they were just they were just beating the shit out of the two side L boys. They were cutting the ring off. They were just... You know, they're a little, they, they seem like they put a little bit of weight on the two of them. Maybe it's lockdown weight. I don't know. But, like, they were throwing their weight around. And even the botchers worked into it. Because, you know, we all remember the Matt Seidel slipping off the top rope. Kind of happened to Mike Seidel in this match. And it looked a bit shit. But they worked it into the match. And it, and it was just a, a real... I, we talk, we've talked about it a few times the last few weeks. You know, there can be a, a three-star horror film that you really enjoy, but you can't give it more than three stars. This was a 3.25-star tag on a show where, yeah, there were a couple of botches. Yeah, it wasn't particularly pretty. But I just got a lot of enjoyment out of it. And I tell you what, if I got this FTR every week, uh, you know, I wouldn't be giving them so mm. much grief because I quite like them in little, little scraps like this. In a normal world, what they can really do with mm. is a point where they go away to New Japan for a few months, yeah, and then come back as a hotter team. We don't see we don't see them for a little bit, and they come back. I'm liking this version of them being really pissed off. Mm-hmm. That's the thing I like. I just like the kind of level of anger and aggression mm. that that they're kind of showing on here. And again, it's the double team stuff. Like it was a really good spot when it hits the big rig as well mm. out of it. You know, I like that. I'm a my EC, the ECW fan of me has always been a fan of the 3D. The idea of hitting your double team move can kind of out of nowhere. And they do that. And they do that really well. Mm. Um, so, yeah. Long may it continue. I mean, I, I didn't like it as much as you. I enjoyed it. Like this, I say, it's one of them mm. where I'll give it 2.75, but it kind of like... You can't have an enjoyable two point seven five match. You know it is. It is. It, you know it is. It, it is what it is. It is. You're not like you're saying it's. It's. It's terrible giving it that. That rating. You know. I think for me, I just. I quite like Mike and Matt together because, like, I didn't maybe give them like, more reps. I don't know. Yeah, I. I just don't. I, you know, I didn't see the value of having Matt Seidel in there. But like him and his brother, they had the same gear up. Well, matching gear on, color wise, and mm-hmm. things which I always like from a tag team point of view. And I just thought, yeah, these are two guys actually that you could stick in a match here, and they could have quite a high energy, quite interesting match with a few different people. And where this one just got me going was, I was just thinking in my head, like, oh god, wouldn't it be good if it was like. WCW, NWA, where you used to have the US tag titles, you know, if they just had some TNT tag team titles, if you think about how many tag teams they've got where they are genuine tag teams and you've got people like Private Party and you've got people like The Acclaimed and they're not ready for the big belts, but Mm. there's something there underneath that gives all these tag team matches just that little bit more meaning. I I really, really think they should be um, be good. They should be going going down that that route, and you know, if it was T, you know TNT tag belts, and then, but like even like F, FTR could have them belts now, 
and it would be a great it's it's a feeding for them to be taken on the young books like come on we're the number one contenders we've got them tag belts you know and you know, it almost it gives a reason for, you know gives another reason for FTR if they then do you know if they then challenge and win or whatever and lose them then you've got like tournament possibilities and things like that but I just think someone like like I say there like Private Party or Top Flight or The Acclaimed or something like that you know they could definitely benefit by you know having something like this where they could be putting on tag matches that have got a bit more meaning that can be defended on dark and things like that as well but um but yeah, no, I think that you know that was that was definitely like a big a big feeling that came out of came out of that for me. I think you know looking at other stuff that was that was on this card though as well, and like things that stand out. Um, I don't know in a in in a, um, in a in a in a positive way again. I think just that main event for me. I think just these these wild brawls that they're currently having. I think any time they like the butcher and the blade mm. are are in there for me. Like I've said it before, they're almost to me, they're like the, the hidden MVPs of dynamite. I think anytime you put them in there, oh, it's always it's only during COVID as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's always a good match. You know, they always, they always bring like loads of energy and it always just feels a bit like wild and anything can happen and things. And then obviously then when you're thrown like, you know, Phoenix and Eddie Kingston, Lance Archer at the moment feels like he's on the absolute top of his game. Moxley as well. Just this combination of people that just feel like absolute gold at the minute when they're um, when when they're going against each other. And it wasn't a classic by any means or anything. You know, it was a I give it I give it three point two five on the you know it's averaging out at like three point five eight. But it was just one of them matches where you can just kind of just sit back and just just fucking enjoy it and just really feel like um, I don't know. It's going somewhere, and there's a reason for it to be there, and it's helping like build and continue to develop with a few of these different, you know, a few of these different wrestlers. And um, again, yeah, just 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 real positive stuff for for my point of view. What do we all make of the uh, the post match angle and the uh, we're getting a death match, um, Kenny and Moxley. It's funny, I'm really split on this because I I didn't really hugely enjoy their last match, even though it's my kind of match. Um, I don't know, it just feels a bit I don't know. On the one hand, I think it's pretty cool that like a, a top level, you know, wrestling promotion wants to run and do an exploding bar wire match. Like that is not something I ever expected to be a thing, especially a company that's on TNT. Um but I suppose, you know, you can get away with more things on pay-per-view. But the fact that they're doing that is unequivocally pretty cool you know especially for like mid-90s tape traders like the likes of me and people who are into into that style you know who had the anita comps and you know that's a there is something to be said for it you know that wasn't it yeah i mean oh god that was i that was one of the first tapes i ever had the one with the yeah. with uh with terry funk and, uh, and foley it was one of the first tapes as well where i watched it and i was watching it at home and i must have been about like 12 13 at the time and my dad was like is this real? You shouldn't be watching this. And I think it was literally just, I think Terry Funk was hitting Foley with like a, a chain wrapped round his wrist or something. It was just too much for me, dad. Like he was convinced like that. No, this isn't the type, you can't be watching this. And he made me turn the tape off. I did eventually uh, see the whole thing through. And yeah, you're right, JP, it was shite. Um, and only really explained once you actually get Foley's book and he uh, he puts, he, he talks himself about, oh shit, the, uh, the explosion was and the main events and all of that. Um, you know, I was one of them people. So I, I kind of like, there's part of me that's interested in it. There's part of me that feels it's I don't know. It feels a little bit try hard. I don't know if I'm really. Have I, have I got the appetite for the, for another Moxley Kenny Omega death match style match? Um, 
I don't know. I don't, there's something about it that that just I'm not. Yeah, I don't. I don't think we needed it again. I, I, I don't think it has it's to just give me screwiness. Yeah, yeah, it does. It does. Uh, I can't point. put my finger on what it is because I should like this. I should be excited. How, how can you not be excited for this? Know, and I'm really excited for it. Like, like if, if you just said this on paper, yeah. I, I was going to say if this was on paper, I'd be thinking like I was going to be raving about this, and I'd be like, I'd be like moaning, why can't they go out there and have a, have a proper wrestling match? But I'm really excited for this because I just kind of, I just kind of get the feeling. Maybe I need to get on board. They both, they both really want it, and I'm just like, again, maybe I was just. Uh, from watching Mox on that blood sport show has, which we'll obviously talk about and just feeling like him doing things that he just really wants to do. And he just really oh, enjoys yeah. doing and you, It was written all over his face, how much he, he enjoyed, enjoyed doing that on, on, on blood sport. And you just get the feeling this, this is something that he's desperately wanted to do. And I've just got no doubt in my mind that two people of the caliber of them two are just going to go out and just have a, kill something like this absolutely fucking kill it like and, Probably, and especially yeah. moxley oh, oh, oh I'm, I'm really and and it's different and i think that's really important in this in this era that we're in with no fans and or limited fans and we moan about like a lot of homogenization of like wwe products and things like that things feeling stale and stuff this to me just feels like something that like really stands out as exciting and different. And like, even if it shits the bed, at least it's something you can be interested in for that reason in the build up for it. Yeah, I suppose that's it. I mean, maybe, maybe it's like me thinking, I want to see, you know, I'm imagining this big Kenny run and he's going to have, you know, big work rating matches and instead he's insisting on doing something like this. But you know what? You, you, I think, I think the point, there is a point there that like, we said it last week when we talked about the main events of the week before as Dynamite. Moxley in these types of environments, he kills it every time, doesn't he? Um, so, yeah, you know. I need to get on board with it, JP, is what I need to do. Well, to be honest, I'm kind of the same because I hate the screwy-based nature of it. Like, And in some ways, I, call me crazy, a cage match. The idea that Callis and the Good Brothers can't come in. Call it old school. That would work for me. They've only done one cage match so far. Mm. This would be the perfect time for a second one. Um, so that's probably why I'm not kind of excited. But I did enjoy Kenny Omega's segment in a primary school when he's talking about how Chris <laughs> Jericho popped New Japan business. I laughed at that because as much as that kind of annoys people about Kenny Omega, there's a kind of wackiness to the sense of the of, of humour that I can kind of appreciate for that type of stuff. It's just a like an odd gag that he's there reading, sort of killing the business and the rest of it. Like, there's, this, and this is kind of like where, where I stand for them going to kind of revolution is the stuff that I'm not massively into. It's not like it takes up 45 minutes to an hour's worth of time. I'm not that like Sting and Darby Allen, for example. I, he took the powerbomb and I'm like, oh, cool. And then I moved on with my life. I just thought, is that safe? Steve looks happy. Let him go. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, and I thought that was good. Yeah, But it's not, it's there. It's there. It leaves. It goes away. They tried to tell me about Drade Cargill again. I don't know other than she plays basketball. Was she a basketball player? I ask this question every week. Who is she? What is she doing? What is her connection to Shaq and wrestling? Do you play basketball together, having- we got the answer this week. All they do is have Shaq, Shaq talk about her. 
So who is she? You having an affair with her? Is that the implication? I was going to say, is that the implication of the shagging? Like, is that is that what we? Are? Is it? <laughs> I, 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 tell you, I tell you what, I love this. I love this because I, 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 I was just getting. Um, and it's that kind of relationship, uh, in which case, fair play. How about it? Sorry, <laughs> JP. Just talk, I'm talking over the top of you there. Sorry, <laughs> it's fine. People are used to it. It's weird, that. <laughs> no, I, I was just getting big Mr. Perfect vibes and I was thinking, like, wouldn't this be awesome if, like, next week uh, after she's done basketball with Shaq, next week we see her at a dartboard with Phil Taylor. <laughs> she's doing, like, throwing a few darts oh. with Phil Taylor. Week after she's with your favourite JP and she's knocking out a 147 with Club Thorburn or something Thorburn. like that. Mrs. Perfect, that should be a gimmick. <laughs> I could go that the problem's going to be, and we all know this, what is she going to be like in the ring? I have no expectation of Shaq. If he doesn't fuck anything up and delivers a better splash than what Snoop Dogg did, I'm kind of fine with that. Mm. But she's not she's not going to come in and be like, um, I don't know, like the first time Kurt Angle wrestled, where you just came in and looked at this guy and saw his presence and went, whoa, oh, he's special, isn't he? And he's kind of, already you knew it from day one. Mm. I don't have this with with her at all. I, it's It's just bizarre. It's just like... All of these people talking what it is, I feel like Homer trying to remember his dream where he invents something that basically is going to solve all of their financial problems. And in the dream, he's going, can I have a look at it? Can I have a look? And nobody will ever show him and talk to him because it's a dream. And then Marge wakes him up, which makes him livid. I feel this way watching Jade Cargill. I'm like, I don't know why I should care. Baby showers notwithstanding and the rest of it, mm. which I'm, I'm hoping that's the last time we see it. But you've got bigger things to worry about in a kind of literal sense as well. But even, I will say this, like as much as I've banged on about a Jade Cargill segment, much more than any podcast sensibly should do, I don't find it offensive. I don't find it like, it doesn't upset me by watching. I just go, well, I'm not as in, like invested in that, but it's fine. It's celebrity shit to pop a big rating and it keeps your corporate television partner happy as it should do, given that seeing as they're giving you 175 million over four years. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's if that's the trade-off is putting Shaq on TV, it's fine. I just I don't I don't understand the reasons for this match to exist other than Shaq's having a match. Yeah. Why can't he crush Peter Avalon? <laughs> Does it matter? Because Cody's gotta get involved. Cody? Yeah, you know. Actually, it's just Cody's. ADHD booking, isn't it? That's what this is. Why is it still a mixed tag when Brandy's not involved? It just is, because Cody, you know, yeah. It is one of the few negatives, I think, of their TV the last few weeks. But I'll be honest, I got a kick out of the basketball segments. I kind of liked it. I'm expecting it to be bad, but I'm hoping it's entertainingly bad. That's kind of... I think that's the high watermark we're going to get out of this, but I'm actually kind of hopeful that it's going to be like that. But I've got trust. Trust in the process. I'm just quite intrigued by Jay Cargill. I can't wait to see her in the ring because she's she's so. The, I mean, obviously, the shape she's in is incredible. Like, yeah. and you, like she's so unique and stand out. Has been a bit different. I'm just intrigued to see what she can do and like and and how she can go because she's got such a standout, unique look that. Mm. If she doesn't completely shit the bed and say if she's even remotely passable as a wrestler, then you look at that and you think, fucking hell, actually, you've got something on your hands here. There's, she's got that star quality about her that you think a year, two years down the line or something like that, it could be just that unique female wrestler that might, you know, she's got that look to me that she could cut through to the mainstream, like, you know, massively more so than your bog standard good women's wrestler, you know. So she's, uh, it's intriguing, definitely. Yeah. 
I think you you referenced in that um, Kenny Omega reading the uh, book segment, Mike. I, I'm the same as you. I really enjoyed that. But one of the real highlights for me on Dynamite at the moment is Alex Marvez and him just turning up wherever <laughs> wherever Kenny and Don Callis are, and like and that's like what are you what are you doing here again? Kind of thing. And Marvez just appears from nowhere, and it's it's just. This is some of the this is some of the stuff I love about AEW is just these small little almost insignificant things that they just get over. It's you know it's it's almost like BTE stuff, isn't it? Really, kind of thing that's mm-hmm. bleeding through to the to the to the main show. But just this thing that they they turn around and Marvis is there for no apparent reason, and how the fuck's he got here, and how did he even know we were there and stuff like that? Like love that. He's he's won me round. They found the perfect role for him, and it works. And he's been doing it now for. Do you think of remember that first pay per view and how nervous he was and how bad it was and how anonymous he was? <laughs> Seeing them stick with him is like, and we would have said, look, you just can't have him on there. It's just not, yeah. not cut out for it. But seeing him stick on there is like, he's not their mean G necessarily, but like he has got that bit of personality too. He's got nice. He's got better comic timing than you'll kind of give it credit for. He does the befuddled interviewer stuff quite well. Yeah. And it's and he'll you know he'll end up in the butt of the jokes, but it's not like WWE where there's you always know there's an element of maliciousness and nastiness to it. There isn't this. I don't think there is this with it here. Like the, you know, the only thing I will say is like it does feel like they're just trying to get the money out of him. Like he's probably on like two mil a year or something because of that initial contract he probably signed, and they're just trying to get whatever you can get. I can't imagine he is making a penny back of whatever they're paying him, but. Yeah, you know, these comedy type stuff, he is, you know, fine. Um, that's probably as far as I'd go. Um, if I was Tony Khan, I just wouldn't be paying the lad, but, you know, <laughs> it is what it is. Um, I was going to say on those little points, I, a couple of other things I did enjoy in the show, I did enjoy like the, the, the continued build of, uh, of Hangman Page and the Dark Order, um, you know, them being his, his true friends uh, coming out and saving. I thought that was a that was a nice little segment at the uh, at the start of the show. Um, I'm still intrigued where that goes. I'm, I could do without the Mahardy involvement, but, you know, it is uh-huh. what it is. Um, but yeah, that I'm looking forward to. The Sting Derby stuff is ticking along nicely, you know. I, 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 the only thing I would say is it does feel a little bit like, and it was shown in the TV rating this week, like we keep saying, you know, this pay-per-view needs to come. <laughs> it does feel a little bit like, I feel, I almost feel bad because like you said to the top, Gareth, you know, they're doing great TV matches every week. You know, how often do we say big negative things about AEW? We don't. Um, it was a little bit disappointing to, to kind of see the ratings come in this weekend. They're still in that 7,000 range. You know, NXT was creeping up on them. Fair enough, coming off a you know a very good takeover that even we gave credit to. But that does give me a little bit of concern. I'm hoping, you know, as we get closer to, to the pay-per-view, you know, maybe it is just that it's that, you know, oh come on, come on now, lads. Let's get to the let's get to the end point here. Let's get to let's get where we're going. You know, the, the sting angle being, you know, an ideal example of that. Maybe it's a bit of that, a bit of leth- lethargy rather than, you know, outright people thinking the show's bad. Um but anyway, yep, uh, anything more on AEW from you guys? Well, we should talk the uh, the other stuff we were going to talk before we go. Just a couple of other quick notes on uh, on things we've watched. And yes, uh, one of them is Bloodsport. Uh, I don't know if we'd be conjuring to watching it this week, Gareth. After our our talk last week, I'm interested actually in what you That's thought it. you thought of this because I will say about Bloodsport for me, like I if I if I don't stay up and watch this on a Saturday night, I'm not watching it on a Sunday. Uh, there's something about the live 
kind of experience of watching the even these tape shows because it's funny these are these are shows that have been in the can a while and there's certain things on the show that absolutely tell you they've been in the in the can a while but there is something about you know saturday night the grimy underground fight club vibe you know the the there's not hundreds of us but you know the tens of us on twitter kind of tweeting along with it and having a good time and you know enjoying the the super beasts of the world uh, on there and enjoying the uh the tank mans of the world on there and your, your bad dude titos and there is something about it to laugh and i thought this show was a much better time than the week before's show and um, not even like you know last week wasn't bad it was just kind of low end as far as blood sport went but this one you know there was plenty in the, in the undercard uh, that I, that I, that i enjoyed i'm not one normally for hard nose shoot style so it is going to be more your calvin tankmans and your and your uh, super beasts and yeah those types of characters that are going to get me into it but i thought the bigger matches delivered as well really enjoyed rocky Rare and simon grimm on the cards really enjoyed jeff cobb and tom lawler on the cards and to his credit i thought david bush smith wasn't as boring as I was expecting him to be uh, in the John Moxley match. Uh, I mean, maybe we can get into some That's of those. Not like him, is it? I know. I was shocked. Um, but maybe we can get into some of those uh, those individual matches. But yeah, I, I, I am intrigued. What, what did you make it as an overall show, Gareth? It's uh, I, I can't tell if this would be your type of thing or not. It's the second blood spot that I've watched. That mm-hmm. I'd watched that previous one. Um, when was that? That was a few months ago. Homicide one, yeah. That, yeah, it was homicide. homicide. That was the one. And I enjoyed this one more, definitely. Mm. I think I think the environment helped. It's mm. a great aesthetic. I think the, the smoke the, and the red light. Where the, oh. that I, I love like the spotlight when they're walking back to the dressing room and the what you know the the walking up that sort of like main main pathway. I think the big issue I've got with the blood sport and this type for me is I like it and I really enjoy it when they're using takedowns and they're using grappling and like it a bit more elbows and forearms and kicks and things like that it's when they start it's when they strike and because they because it's moxley was very guilty these lame palm strikes that just look ridiculous like they look so bad to me like i'm just uh, like it just it takes me right out of it and and in the first two matches there was a lot of striking and i was just like this is like this isn't why I watch. This isn't why I watch wrestling. Like if I want to watch this, I'll watch MMA, <laughs> like and watch people kick the shit out of each other for real. Basically, mm-hmm. was what I was thinking when I was watching them first, first two, two, um, two fights. I was like, yeah, I, I was on the verge of turning it off. And then Super Beast and uh, Cal Jack uh, yes. came out, and obviously Super I'd Beast, heard, Super, I'd, I'd seen all over Twitter, I'd seen Super Beast, Super Beast, and then like I saw like the Super Beast look, and I was just like, oh yes, this is, this is cool. Yeah. This just looks like straight out of a video game or something like that. Batista as in a mask, as like, As much as I've been known in this environment, like in that, the previous match, there was like there was like Nolan Edward in his like proper wrestling gear, and I was like, take your fucking stupid wrestling gear off for blood sport you don't need that hangy bit down coming off your belt and stuff but then super beast came out looking like hard as fuck and um like great mask and like great you know, outfit and thing, mm-hmm. ring outfit so i was like oh i'm invested i'm watching this and and i i, I really enjoyed that match I, I, to be fair i probably enjoyed it more for carl jack and then like they were talking about his um his genuine wrestling credentials in the match, and I thought that just came through. It just it looked a bit more of a realistic match compared to the the two that had gone before. There was a lot more kind of 
better grappling and takedowns and suplexes that were coming for him. And, you know, I quite like Super Beast's kicks as well, which were a definite palate cleanser after the lame striking that had gone on in the previous uh, in the previous two matches. But um, that one got me invested and got uh, I, ended up, uh, I ended up watching and enjoying the rest of the show from That's that good. point on. You've got it. I mean, that, the only thing I'd say about that, you've got to give Super Beast the win. Like, I, I know I know he's got he's basically gotten over as a meme and you're, you know, he said it there. And, you know, maybe it's just my timeline or maybe the, the people I, I follow, but like everyone to a man nah. seems to be really into You know what it reminds me of, JP? It reminds me, and I said that on the night, reminds me of Pentagon in Lucha Underground because Pentagon in yeah. season one was jumped off the screen as the clear star of the show. Unfortunately, the entirety of season one had already been recorded so we literally had to sit through another 20 episodes or whatever it is before we finally got to season two and it was like okay we can reset now and we can actually push pentagon and it feels like that a bit like super big although i would say you gotta fuck him you got batista in a mask like why is he losing he should never lose um, <laughs> you know that's a hard uh, he's batista <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah but it, but it did feel like, i think if they'd have known that he was going to be the one that caught on not not you know nothing against cal jack he was like you said god i think he was very good in the match as well um you know i think they didn't know no if he'd have caught on you got because that's the match super beast and calvin tatman that's my that's my wrestlemania dream weekend dream match at this point like that i just want to see them two exchange bombs like that's all i want out of wrestlemania weekend at this point um but that is yeah unfortunately the problem when you uh when you do save in advance it's one of the massive problems, and they've missed. I, I'm not saying they, they haven't missed out on it because there's a kind of these blood sport shows. It's not like it's every week, is it? No, they're going to happen so sporadically, and they will have realised. Oh, hang on a minute, we've got a bit of good feedback to the old super beast Chris, as I like to call him on Facebook. Um, <laughs> What's he do for a living, JP? Well, I haven't called. Well, I sent you a photo. He looks like he's a fucking scientist, <laughs> or else he's making meth. Which, in which case, good luck to him. Breaking bad, like. Yeah, it's, it's not beast. the route you should go down, mate. You know, <laughs> would explain for it, though. Hard as nails dealer, though, wouldn't you? Anyway, <laughs> I'm completely conjecturing. Well, he, he might be a scientist. He may not. That seems like a, there's a pretty broad scope for what his occupation is. A science but I came out of it all like justice for Super Beast. And don't get me wrong, <laughs> I don't mind Cal Jack for that. But I did come out thinking, man, that's fucking scandalous the way mm. he's been treated. I mean, I was going to say... Birmingham Six was treated better than him. <laughs> I'll tell you who did get treated well, Rocky Romero. Like, I, I was just laughing. Like, he is, he's the man of 2021. Every promotion in the world, including your favorite JP that we might talk about in a minute, everyone's oh, booking yeah. Rocky Romero because everyone wants that New Japan connection. That's purely why he was on this show. But I enjoyed, I, I thought that, that was one of my favorite matches of the show, him and Simon Grimm. Like, I don't rate Sam, never rated Simon Grimm. Um, back to the WWE days. But I thought that, I enjoyed that, like, they can, you know, they can use him and, you know, Get Rocky Romero to come out. He, he used to be known for doing like the kickboxing kind of style. Him and Samoa Joe had a great match. Um, ROH Gold mm. is the show where they basically just had the kickboxing fight, uh, like an exhibition and a bit of grappling. It was very blood sport to be about honest. About the pitbull like, days. Yeah, back in the pitbull days when he was like, yeah, like this. You wouldn't know it now, but he was like the sex god Rocky Romero. Um, how times have changed. <laughs> you, you know, you know he's going to turn up on Impact, don't you? Oh, it's coming. That seems completely. I can't inevitable. believe he hasn't already, to be honest. Um, yeah, so I love that. Jobs for the boys, isn't it? It's probably uh, it's, it's probably suicide. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna happen. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I like that. Uh, like I said, Chris Dickinson, Jr. Kratos. So that was a decent heavyweight scrap as well. Uh, I just think overall, mm. I, I feel like the, the 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 quality of the matches was just above the level of last week. 
I mean, the things that, like for me, some of the things that stood like obviously I, I mentioned that Super Beast Cal Jack match getting into it would get me into it, but the Alex Coglin Royce Isaacs match really got me into it. I like oh, there was some lovely takedowns in that match by 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 Coglin. Like Isaacs just got massive bonus points for me just for whacking on the Texas Cloverleaf because that's just like my favorite wrestling holds. Like so, as soon as he did that, I was like, "Yes, go on, lad." And then, um, and then as um, Chris Lay was tagging me on Twitter, uh, winning with the skull end for the uh, tap out at the end there, not letting go, not moving out in sight, <laughs> actually uh, taking it through to the uh, through to the win. So that was a uh, that was good. But yeah, same as you, like uh, I, the, the Romero Simon Grimm match, I enjoyed. I like the start of the JR Kratos match with um, Dickinson I just like the kind of like speed and intensity of uh, Kratos at, at first he, I was like quite surprised by it but I don't know that match was one that sort of like tailed off for me but I think it was when you got into that Lawler Cobb match as the, yeah. the semi-main where to me there was like a visible step change there and yeah. it was like you just everything looked a cut above what had gone before and it just it had that added look of realism i think it had that add the, the little transitions and things like that were much more smoother obviously tom lawler knows what he's fucking doing yeah you know, it's, as a, it's you know, a real you know, fighter as, 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 against a, a, a professional fighter against mm. against an olympic wrestler and mm. i know guam's probably got about as many people <laughs> in it as fucking working to us still made like it that. that so who, who, who knows if working was a separate country i might be an olympian in wrestling or something like that but um but he still yeah he still went there but um but yeah that was that was one i just um i just I, you know I just, I just really liked um there was that spot where there was that northern light suplex but lol i just kept yeah. hold of the choke like that was great that, that was such a fucking cracking spot and then um so, you know just some of them germans again they looked like they were struggled for and legitimately hurt. And then again, just with the finish, like that full Nelson, mm. it looked like a full Nelson that was going to break your fucking neck. You know, it didn't, it didn't, it didn't look Shoot like a Nelson. stupid professional wrestling move in the middle of a fight. It looked like a move that would literally crush your spine kind of thing. So yeah, I was, I was totally on board for that one. You know, Lola was well up for that. Like it was entirely as I did. I love Tom. How can you not like Tom Lola? He's, he's so much fun. And he like, I want to see him. I want, I did that on my, my TW streams and JP can attest to it. Jack Swagger binned off from AW. Just give that spot to filthy Tom. You want an MMA fighter? That's your guy. <laughs> like I just want to. I want to see. I want to see Tom Lawler in New Japan. I want to see him in more places. He's so great. He is. I always think the thing that just slightly works against. Him, it's not. It works against. Him. He's just come very late into wrestling, hasn't he? Kind of full time. He's come in like sort of thirty eight, thirty nine. So mm-hmm. there's. But he's such a good character. I mean, you would have seen this if you MLW the week before when I did my homework. Um, he was he was great. He was great fun doing commentary on Filthy Island. He's like an entirely different persona to this one here. I'll never not enjoy him. And I think even in New Japan, he kind of made that um, as soon as he appeared on New Japan strong, mm. like he just felt like someone who should be there, mm. who would know the little things to do. Because I think it just comes naturally to him and he's followed enough wrestling to get this as well where he understands how to do those little things by getting the crowd engagement. I'm thinking of the not exactly well-attended um, Blackpool um, ballroom. <laughs> we saw him against um, Jeff Cobb. We did. Tom Lawler, Jeff Cobb. saw him against Jeff it? Cobb. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He was MLW, MLW champion. Jeff mm. Cobb was Ring of Honor TV champion. It was like, 
there's five of us who are completely are. fucking yeah there we are where Jeff Cobb, Jeff Cobb photobombed that pick we didn't ask him there because we wanted the pick with Flutter and, <laughs> that is true and then all of a sudden it was like he goes come on Jeff and then he comes in does that and it's like well that's that's great you know <laughs> but ultimately you know we're we're here for Big Steve mm. um but yeah, and, and he made that exciting. He made that interesting, and he got the crowd that engaged. Was, so I can't. That, that was the I difference. I think he this would week. be able to do that in a Corrigan. Totally, and that was the difference this week, wasn't it? With this show, JP. I think you know. To I think last last show, and we'll get into the main event now. Um, but like, there wasn't that step up last show. It was like, all right, the mid you know, the mid card was all right. You know, we had a couple of fun matches, a couple of interesting people like the Super Beast, and then the last two matches just weren't up so much. I think that's what this card had that that didn't. You know, we had Jeff Cobb, Tom Lawler, where totally with Gareth, it did. It felt like, yeah, these two people who know what they're doing, and it felt like it was, you know, it. It's hard to give star ratings to these types of matches, but it felt like a full star above yeah, everything else that had come to fore. I noticed, yeah, you had, that's why I was dead intrigued with your ratings that you hadn't done it. <laughs> um, but I, I, do, I do feel like. Moxley, David Boy Smith felt more like a wrestling type of match. It's a bit like when, because um, I don't think you saw that one, when it was uh, Minoru Suzuki and Josh Barnett on the WrestleMania weekend last year. No, I just watched that. It was funny because they're, they're the two, like, Josh Barnett, it's his entire show. And you know what they did? They went out there and just had a wrestling match because it was like, well, you can tell with them too. They were probably thinking, well, in a shoot fight, you know, my wrestling is supposed to be like a shoot, so why wouldn't I just work it like a wrestling match? And I felt like maybe you got a little bit of that in Moxley Davey Boy. Um, there were negatives to that. Don't get me wrong. Moxley's punching was pathetic. <laughs> and you said, you know, you mentioned strikes earlier, Gareth, and I know Chris Glenay, who's getting a lot of shout outs today. I was quite vocal about that on, on Twitter as well. There was like a headboard exchange that wasn't the best either. Um, but there was something I liked about it. Like Chris. Yeah. <laughs> there was something I liked about it though. It was just, you know, we said it on the AEW review. I just love this idea of John Moxley, ex-WWE wrestler, who's just traveling the world doing whatever the fuck he wants. He wants to go and he want, that, that was another WrestleMania weekend thing. You know, he turned up at Bloodsport and watched it as a fan we should have all known this was coming from that moment when him and regal were watching from the stands like it was like an ancient gladiator um battle in roman times like he was always gonna follow this path and he just looks like he's having the time of his life out there so even though the match might not be perfectly technically sound and might be more pro wrestling than you know what blood sport is supposed to do i had a fucking great time watching it i I was i I didn't expect to get that pulled into a david boy smith jr match I think it was purely just Mox. It was purely that. It was purely that maybe the fact that he didn't know what he was doing kind of added to the charm. He came across as like this scrappy dude in the back, just someone off the street who'd come in for a fight like yeah. from UFC 1 or like, you know, in the quest, he'd be like the, you know, the street fighter who's trying to, you know, take on the Taekwondo champion or something like that. He made David Boy Smith interesting. I, I gave it 3.75 stars and grappling for a shoot style match. That's basically five stars, I think. Um, uh, wasn't totally told on the finish. We can get into that, but I loved it. I, I could easily have gone that with him and, and like exactly what you said there. Like there were, there were elements of it that just, you know, like where David Boy Smith looked more structured and more experienced and he knew what he was doing and Moxley looking a bit more unorthodox and things. And you think how much of that is a work and how much of it is 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 not as well. You know, is it him just been a, a, like a little bit out of his depth? But even but just when we talk about aesthetic as the whole show, uh, whole show, the aesthetic of Moxley 
like coming in in his leather jacket and his sweatshorts and his little <sighs> Asics boots and that. And I was just like, that is the look. That is that is what people yeah. should look like walking into this show. He looked like he was just turning up for a scrap and I, I loved it. And then fucking David Boy Smith comes out in his dopey full fucking Union Jack gear and I was just like, ah, oh, get some, you know, get, get some fucking, you know, different gear on for this, especially when you're the main event and, you, and you're going up against a guy who looks uh, who, who looks like that. I, you know, it was, it was it was great and I, I mean I referenced it before you could just tell Moxley was having the time of his life and, and I was I, I was watching this and I was thinking you know what I think he must be my favorite wrestler in the world right now because <laughs> I don't think there's anybody who puts a smile on my face like Moxley in any setting he's turning his hand to these different environments different styles of it the match of the year when I'd totally forgotten about that Moxley Suzuki match that I went back and watched and he was having the time of his life over there in that one like what he's done with the Kenta stuff recently like the the idea of this like match with Omega coming up as well I'm just like I'm just all in on this guy he just fucking gets it he just he just yeah. completely gets it and he feels like a superstar as well yeah love him and he carries himself like a superstar for this. And you mentioned as well, like even the mini feuds that seem to have always elevated people, generally the Brody, um, the Brody Lee one, mm. like kind of really coming back. That that mini feud around that kind of was so much better than it had any right to be. Yeah. I mean, let's say the Lance Archer match wasn't as good, but it wasn't like it was really it wasn't really bad. It's like there's none of these kind of stinkers. Whereas if you think of Dean Ambrose, latter-day Dean Ambrose and WWE, I can't, I have like no memory of matches he would have had probably the last two, possibly three years of that WWE run, really outside of the Brock one, which just made me angry <laughs> more than anything else. And here's someone as well. And he gets the little things like coming out to, to Hole, but, uh, sorry, yeah. Violet by Hole. Yeah, yeah, Violet. Like, just, and it's a great well, our outro well. song. Like, yeah, and so it's like, that's just my shout for getting it in there as one of the songs <laughs> that we use. But it's really good. And it's, yes. and it's, and like, he gets the idea of this kind of like, I go for a different look while I'm here. And it, it's like, you're watching someone who like, if you're looking at kind of what other wrestlers would have done in the eighties, this idea of track, we mentioned at the beginning of traveling around all sort of the kind of territories and wanting to go in there and, and do kind of big things, but having the creative freedom to do it. Mm. And whilst at the same time, he obviously has a very clear control over his character as well, but it's not like. But I think a lot of the bookers are kind of really in tune with what he's going with. Mm. Like someone like Tony Khan gets this. Someone like Josh Barnett gets what he's trying to go for here. And you mentioned there about the kind of like unorthodox nature. That's kind of half the fun about him, isn't it? And it's, Mm. I'm always surprised, but I don't know why I am surprised at this point when I find myself enjoying his matches. Because it's just like, you, you think of, you know, like wrestlers of the year. And I remember one of the things I was thinking about when doing the top 10 list was, this is this is someone who I want to have as like wrestler of the year, or definitely up there. But I don't think I've any of his, I didn't have any of his matches in the top ten, and I didn't go back and rewatch loads of me either. And I kind of regret not doing that. Mm. But to say like he is the poster boy for the potential of what you can do when you're out of that creative mm. hellhole, mm. and you're given the license to it, and you have enough natural knowledge and understanding of what works in wrestling and what keeps you fresh and how you do it Mm. and how you react to different crowds, Mm. you know, thinking, thinking of when he did, when he did the comedy he wanted to do, like in parts of the G one, when he was in, he was great and he was hilarious and it was more delivered like dry lines and stuff like that. This is someone who 
when you allow him to have the input, he'll make the material you give him better because then he'll transmit onto himself and who his character is. And it works. And it's just, yeah, you can see the overall benefits for him from a kind of life perspective. Definitely, definitely. And uh, yeah, you know, uh, we've got... You know, him and Josh Barnett, the, the cursed match mm. to, to look forward to uh, coming up a lot more. To be fair, you know, it, there's a bit of anticipation for that now. Will Josh Barnett, the mark that he is for himself, ever put over, you know, a pro wrestler in a in a shoot-style fight? Uh, I think we know the answer to that is no. Uh, <laughs> but it's still going to be intriguing come up Mania weekend. And again, you know, I, I'm into this concept. Like, I, I, I'm a little bit sad that that's, you know, a couple of months away now because I would uh, I would take a few more of these uh, these shows. They've definitely livened up the last couple of weekends. I think this one was on fight. Um, so, you know, let's hope it did better numbers than the first show did. Let's hope it does better numbers on Grapple as well as far as uh, people rating it. Um, but, yeah, you know, there's, there's something to be said for this concept still, I think. I think there's there's legs in it, especially under this this new presentation. Um, and, yeah, mm. it'd be interesting to see uh, where they go with it, Mania weekend i want more tournaments that's what i want uh, i like these i like these exhibition fights and it's what the you know i was corrected last week i think i was misremembering with the wxw's ambition tournaments that they haven't really other than the women done tournaments um with blood sports i think you know, I, I would like to see that many weekend i want to see a bit of structure i want to see you know people not being so much one and done within this style i want to see uh, something that maybe ties together these shows a little bit more but other than that I had a great time on Saturday, and unlike last week where I said maybe I didn't get my fifteen pounds worth, I definitely felt like I got my uh, my fifteen pounds mm. worth this week. Yeah, um, by the by the end, I was really you know I was positive, really positive about it by the end. And similar to you know, if you think of something like Tetsujin, the one that was a tournament that I went to was better than the one that was just individual matches. It, you know, it was still good, but you almost feel like, as in wrestling or anything, any stakes that you can put into the into the equation, it's always going to improve things further. And if you kind of had that feeling that these were um, they were working towards something like that, like a title or a, even a trophy or whatever kind of thing, then it would just add that extra element to it. I think that would just uh, just give it a bit more a bit more meaning. And just something I wanted to reference there, Benno, was obviously you alluded to the uh, the end of that Moxley match. And I've uh, not been uh, down with the uh, the DDT finish. Uh, oh yeah, sorry, yeah, we didn't but, cover that. But, yeah, but, I'm not but, sure about that. You know, I'm still not. I mean, we, to be fair, speaking of ambition, Akid once won an entire ambition tournament with a Spanish fly, and it will never get as bad as that in a shoot fight. But I'm still not 100 percent sold on it working as a shoot move. <laughs> I was just getting like I was harking back in my mind to like um, Rampage Jackson and uh, Ricardo Arona in Pride, where he like finished him with the power bomb, and that that was yes. fucking mm. awesome. And I remember like Kat Zingano landing a DDT in the octagon and things. So I was like, oh, there's, okay, there's maybe, some room yeah. for some real real wrestling there things here. You know, you yeah. never you, you, know, <laughs> you never know. It didn't. didn't Demetrius Johnson turning a German suplex into an armbar within like a second of it, it was just like fucking incredible. Uh, maybe I should. The other thing from the UFC crossover that I was going to reference there was with the Tom Lawler stuff because that's one of the things that I feel like when I've seen Tom Lawler in wrestling. And again, it's limited the amount of times I have. I don't think the personality bleeds through as strongly as it did in the UFC. Like when he was doing the weigh-ins in the UFC mm. and he'd like come out dressed as the Shockmaster or he'd come out dressed as Dan Severin or he Should did a Con- Conor McGregor-like thing and stuff like that. It was all like great personality pieces that you that you'd see. like he made you laugh every time. You know, it was all, all well, I think he did Steven Seagal at one point as well. It was all, <laughs> it was all yeah. like dead well thought out stuff, yeah. funny stuff. And you just think this guy clearly like gets it from a, 
you know, a character from a meme perspective and things like that. He knew how to make him stand out, himself stand out for the crowd in the, in the UFC and weigh-ins. I was always aware of who he was from, from from that point of view, just purely because of because of the weigh-ins. And and again, if he's given a bigger platform in wrestling and a bigger promotion, then you can that can bleed through as well. And again, he's got he's obviously got the athleticism behind it, but he's got the character too that could be the transition to being a being a star. Sure, for sure. Yeah, I, I would just, I want to see that. I want to see him do blood sports and do, never mind coming out to like 90s boy bands. I want him to do the full 90s boy band entrance. I want to see, <laughs> I want to see that personality <laughs> that you hear on podcasts bleed through, you know? Um, yeah, he's he's there for, to be exploited though. That's what I, I hope 2021 is this year. We see him in more prominent places as well as places like the one that we're about to talk about him in. Because yes, we have got a little bit of time um, to talk about it. It's MLW Fusion time, so let's just um, just do a check of the room. And I watched the MLW Fusion this week, uh, being Filthy Tom's Island. Gareth, did you watch MLW Fusion this week? No, no, I didn't. I was oh. going to, but progress got in the way. Oh, yeah, JP, did you watch MLW progress Fusion? Anger. I saw Filthy Island. <laughs> oh, right, that's the episode, yeah? I completely forgot I watched it, like, live. <laughs> Oh my god! What, so you have seen it? Yeah, I saw this. Oh, the, I saw it. The whole yeah. bit was built, building Sorry. to be burying you for not watching it. You've actually watched it. And you forgot. <laughs> That's did a you, more worry. Did you actually watch it now, Benno? This is going to be embarrassing. Oh to no! Then she jumping out of the tree. All the stuff about spam that never made any sense. You know what, King Mo? I don't. I, it, it was like watching the Gallows and Anderson show. Like to be honest, it was that, that's the kind of thing it was. You know, Filthy Tom pretending it's his island. Really, it's the Von Erichs island. Um, the him in it. What's the guy in commentary called? From um, is he from American Top Team? Dan Lambert. Dan Lambert. Like he did all of that TNA stuff with with Lashley a few years ago. He's fucking yeah. great. He is so much fun. Like he's like I'm so glad that that they're using him in MLW because he's got like he, he was the best thing in TNA that year when he was in TNA and it was like. Like I didn't know he had that, you know, in him, and then he disappeared from wrestling. So he was the commentary was hilarious. There were some weird points in the show, though, JP. I'm glad I can pull you up on this. By the way, I feel like oh. they repeated like little segments of the commentary more than once, unless it was the, the copy I was watching. But there was literally like him and the two of them ran through matches twice on this show <laughs> and made the same jokes twice. That definitely happened. I'm not okay. going crazy. There are a couple of weird production <laughs> flubs like that, but, but I suppose it's Filthy Island, so you can't take it too seriously. Um, <laughs> but, I can't remember that specifically. I mean, if you told me the bits of the, like, the bits of, um, who was it, uh, Alexander Hammerstone wandering around a forest, mm. was that that against Mads Kruger? Yeah, that yeah. Was, was that just... was a thing. <laughs> It was just weird. Like, that could have easily been repeated. Yeah. It's it, a weird show, mate. Yeah, it was. I mean, maybe that's why I got I did actually get a bit of enjoyment out of this um, as far as the show goes. I'm a big fan of Dominic Garini. I'm glad that, you know, they're, they're using him. Like, I kind of got a laugh out of the fact that, like I say, they're doing commentary live and, like, three of his mates are just sat there on a couch watching the show. That was, that was the audience for this thing. And, like you say, you've got... People hiding in trees, uh, Zenshi, uh, you know, at the the start of his match, you've got Rocky Romero, speak of the devil, uh, doing this show and just being bemused by the, you know, the whole setup and making his entrance through like the, uh, the weird little entrance way that they had in the, in the middle of a field. It wasn't without its kind of charm. Um, I had a 
relatively good time watching it. Now, what what I will say is that you know, star rating wise, uh, there's not much happening here. But I don't think it was. I don't think it was. You know, I mean, it's not even normally that type of show, as, as you will always say. You two aren't getting. Well, there was a whole segment where, like, because something somebody pulled me up on, and they were right too. You know, I was a big Lucha Underground fan. They are building this. Aztec underground thing, Dario Cueto has got to be coming in. Um, El, on, El Jefe. El Jefe. They mentioned El Jefe. I love because he's a real actor as well. You see him like turn up in like regular TV shows and stuff. I'm sure he was in Breaking Bad and he was in like there was something else he turned up in or like an advert or something, but he's just a regular guy making pizza. It's so weird, but he's so he was good. Kerb, that was it. It was Kerb. That's exactly what he was in. Yeah. Um, <laughs> He's so fucking great. If MLW is giving him a route back to wrestling, I'll 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 let everything slide, JP. I will take Lucha Underground just takes yeah. over MLW, to be honest. I'll take it. I mean I'll live don't exactly love the uh, you know, MSL pretending to be on location looking for Mil Muertes and Savio Vega right. in, in a temple. That um, was it. Sorry, I don't know why I mentioned Mads Kruger. Yeah, it was his Mil Muertes and Savio Vega. Did and you watch this, mate? Because I'm, I'm not. I'm still not 100 percent sure. Will no, Cooling has said, "I you know, watched it before. Then there's just been a lot going on <laughs> since that point. Now it's like it's all coming back. To, I swear to God, yeah, because yeah. it was it was very like I watched it as it was on live, mm. and I remember having a laugh at that lawyer's advert again. Mm. But yeah, it was very clear they weren't anywhere near. It was just like they're recording stuff on their phone mm. while pretending to be out in a forest. It, it, it's this is when it's it's just bad. Like at that point, but this is like one of their jokey episodes. Yeah, yeah. Where they're yeah. just sort of throwing it away. Like there are things about it, like the top ten stuff, that I'll always kind of like love about it. the The way they, the way they just actively steal the graphics from the UFC is admirable in its way of just like repeating it. I, I like. I, but at the same time. <laughs> You're talking so about the match rating. So Chris Elliott of the chat yeah. said this sounds like JP's best Chris Kamara impression. <laughs> Man on location. <laughs> Fair enough. It was unbelievable, Dan. Unbelievable. <laughs> unbelievable, Jeff. Um Yeah. What did you think of um of King Bo? You can imagine <laughs> going Muertes versus Vega. What's happening, Chris? I don't know. I'll see him. Yeah, just... <laughs> That's basically what MSL's uh, role was. Uh, what did you make your boy, your boy King Mo uh, getting a match with Loki? I didn't realise they were uh, pushing him so hard. Yeah. Um, the dream match we all wanted. Shoot fighter uh, Loki or low IQ as the, uh, as the graphic said. This is uh, yes. King Mo. I laughed at that. I, like, what, two and a half minutes? <laughs> like, it was... It was it was what it was. Mo Mo shit at wrestling. Like yes, he is. He's, he's not. He's not. How many years ago really was he Dixie awkward. Carter's bodyguard? What was that like? Eight years ago. <laughs> it's been a long yeah. time. Yeah. And he's trying to be a wrestler before them. He's mm. he's not any good. But then, if you're following his MMA career, he was just getting knocked out mm. early doors. It's like the jaw had completely gone. Mm. Um, but at the same time, like I think MLW allows him to kind of. He scratches the pro wrestling itch. There's no expectation that he's going to be able to deliver a good match. And then they've, they've been building up kind of filthy Tom Lawler, low-key as a kind of one of their bigger feuds for a while. And that's the main match. And it's fine because it's not like it's not like what TNA did where they've been like, King Moe's coming in, King Moe's coming in. They're not doing that. It's like, I'll oh, get yeah, King Moe's here. And it's like, oh, okay. And yeah, but he's so awkward in the ring. And it's 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 just like he can't adjust to it, and his personality it's 
he's more interesting if you hear him just talking about wrestling. Like when he was talking with Dave Meltzer about the Young Bucks several years ago, I think after a big Bellator show. I think it was after they did a combined K1 Bellator show mm. and, and Meltzer was there because it was in San Jose. He was a lot more interesting then. But I don't think, like, in terms of his future in wrestling, this is really as good as it's going to get. And I think he gets to scratch that itch while basically coaching and teaching MMA at Dan Lambert's gym. And it all feels like it's an extra few quid, hopefully cash in hand. Well, I feel glad that I finished the last 10 minutes of the show tonight, just for you, JP. Um, I can't say I'm going to watch next week, but, you know, <laughs> we've got the review in at least. Um, sorry, what are you going to yep. say? I'll have the day. I'll have the Wednesday daily updates. There you go. I'll make you sure go. to put the. Uh, the oh, so you snapped that in last week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Happy yeah. second class degree day. It's 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 two, one of them two, where so. it's it's one of them where hearing you talk about it as well definitely shows that the uh, the value of star ratings sometimes isn't the um, isn't the only me- uh, metric to use when it comes to watching a show because clearly you uh, yeah having a good time uh, good time watching that for different reasons but as I'm looking here on the app and it's like 0. 0.62 1.77 0. 0.5 1.83 0. 0.69 <laughs> It's uh, it's 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 not one I'm going to be checking out for the in ring, is it really? But um, you're thinking but yeah, it's no, heroes it's, of wrestling when you but, explain it like that. But it's good. Uh, no, nah, it's good to hear, like just from an angles and a comedy point of view, and then just kind of just getting it. The fact that it's a bit stupid and things like that in places and stuff like that. There's a definitely a place for that in um, definitely a place for that in wrestling. It can't always just be about like going out there and having the having the matches. It's it's characters and it's storylines, isn't it? And it doesn't necessarily have to be told in the ring if it's if it's done well. Yeah, you and, said it with NWA Power, mm, and there was you were going to have oh, that issue putting them up on the app about stuff that it was, was almost unfair putting them on the app. Yeah. Yeah. It was because you couldn't judge it in that way. Mm. Whereas if you view it as just a, a, as a television product that involves wrestling, it's 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 kind of fun for what it is. And the fact for MLW is it's just up on YouTube, so the ease of access is just requires zero work. Yeah, which that's I'm on board with. And it, you know, uh, you've always got me, JP. An hour of filthy time just playing to the camera is always, you know, that is the week that's going to pull me in. Um, That'll be why I watched it live, but mm. for shame, like to the chat at the beginning as well, it's going to be a <laughs> fucking liar. No, I did watch it. I swear <laughs> to God, I just didn't stay up for it. I didn't stay up for Dynamite. That was the thing. I was like, I watched that and I went, oh, time. It'll be up in the morning. Anyway, speaking of which, uh, should we talk some Noah? I what have you caught up? Fuck no, fuck off. Um, exactly. One <laughs> of the great day. modern title reigns that you've effectively boycotted for reasons unknown. All Japan Not through lack of access. <laughs> Maybe All next Japan. week. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, have we got anything else in all seriousness? Anything else we uh, we we watched there? Anything we want to mention before before we do go? Uh, I'm sorry, sorry for this being a late one for our live listeners. Hopefully, every yeah, week sorry. we don't have to spend an hour getting angry at progress hopefully this is the fucking last week we have to do it but we'll see going forward um but yeah anything else from you guys to talk before we, uh, we do get out of here that's it from me nope. all good other than plugs mate that's yeah, all yeah. Got. haromu's injured that's sad good to the bottom six months out good. yeah 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 Sorry, on the eve yeah, of a big coaster of bushi match as well you know, he was gonna. He's gonna. Every year, this seems to happen with him. Every year, he's getting his big, his big opportunity for the you know world champion versus junior champion thing, and he's out another six months. It's pack, so I'm glad it's nothing too serious. But I did want to note that as like a thing. Like that's a another sad story, and he's one of the few 
entertaining things in New Japan right now. <sighs> That's how I'm gutted that Noah Romu. Tell you what. Oh, yeah. Given what a, I know I would say is his draw, like, I mean, his junior shows have done well, like, at, even at the likes of the, um, when they had it at the, um, uh, what's the the one in Tokyo? Sumo Hall. Mm. The best of the Super Juniors did a did decent attendance. It's kind of down to him. Like, they, they're going to need to start thinking outside the box because we talked about stale main, main event scenes in WWE. That's something that with New Japan, that is definitely a fear. And that junior division without him, it's like, oh God, so what do you do? Put, put, I'd say put a rocket on show Tanaka and go with him. That would be Just- what I would be doing. Yeah, it's got to be the thing is though there is the way wrestling is as well. There'll definitely be people looking at Hiromu and thinking, how reliable is he going to be if we're uh, stepping him up to heavyweight? He's going to be again. working a more physical style and things like that. Can he, you know, if we're going to put the strap on him, can he actually carry it for 12 months? Can he carry it for six months? Or is he going to like, you know, break down with an injury or something like that? I think it's, uh, it's, I don't know, it's, it's wrong, but those doubts definitely do creep into your mind when you get somebody where, you know, you you worry about their reliability as you're going to stick them to the top of the card. Hopefully, uh, hopefully, it won't be the case because, like you say, it's a breath of fresh air that they that they need. Yeah, definitely, definitely. No, in 2021, Gado as well. They're just going to give the spot to Bushi, innit? That's what we're getting. We're going to get Bushi main events yeah. for the for the next six months. <laughs> yeah, just a sad note though. Yeah, was worth noting. Um, you mentioned plugs, JP. Sure, plug um, for yes. the non-live listeners. You can. You know, especially on big news nights like this, uh, watch us live on our on our Patreon at uh, our nine pound adequately named Brit Rez's dead tier. Yeah, we didn't see this coming when we named that tier, but anyway. Um, also, yeah, as we said last week, we did do our, our mixtape episode. Um, I'll just say you have to subscribe to listen to that one. Two hours of yes, fiery, fiery content that we did last week. As I mentioned, it's looking like, and the poll is still got progress way ahead. Uh, we are likely doing the, the rise and fall of progress as our, uh, as our first deep dive. Can't get away from this stuff uh, at the moment, but yeah, other than that, there's going to be news updates all week. Friday, we'll, me and JP yep. will be doing our, our, our weekend show, and yep, at the weekend as well, we'll be doing, um, and stay tuned, uh, patrons, we will be uh, arranging our first happy hour, and um, we'll just sit around have a few drinks and and take your calls as well that's all coming up other than that from me follow me on twitter at benson richie anything from you guys download the app as always get yourself on get yourself on app store get yourself on google play download grapple get your ratings in oh that's follow us at grapple app on twitter i never mentioned i've even started to use the instagram as well so follow us on instagram as well there you go it's gonna say rate and review us on all those sort of things like Put like the the on Apple Podcasts and the like. Mm. See if you can move us up the charts. Yes, probably uh, not, but here's hoping. And in all seriousness, as I mentioned earlier, do donate to the uh, the crowd justice yes. that's doing the rounds at the moment for uh, for Emily Doe. You can you'll find the link to that. I'll be retweeting it um, once we put this podcast out as well. So uh, keep an eye out for that. But yeah, thanks to everyone who stayed up live with us. Uh, thanks to everyone for listening. We'll catch you again next week. Bye. See ya. All the stars are just like little fish You should learn when to go You should learn how to say no! 
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.